Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is the perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through.
against or calling the Bard's Logic, political talk, part of the conservative conversation. And tonight, our panelist, uh, Kelly, will reveal what the COVID-19 research team has been working on for over two years. Uh, the team has filed documents in the federal court of the Portland, Oregon Federal District, a request to convene a special federal grand jury to investigate and expose the lies and corruption of the corona pandemic. Kelly will explain the power of the grand jury to independently investigate and get to the bottom of the propaganda of Fauci and company. In addition, Joel Colombero may join us tonight to discuss the Freedom Convoy near Washington, D.C. Joel is the media recording specialist at the convoy, so hopefully we'll be hearing from uh, Joel tonight, and uh, if he is able to call in uh, this evening, then we will break in uh, to let him get into the show. Uh, so first, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, bring in uh, Kelly, and then we've got Joseph on the line as well. So uh, Joseph, we're going to bring you in uh, too. So uh, let's go ahead and open up the mics. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing good, doing good. Another day in paradise. So, yeah, do you want to hear what the team did and uh, what we hope for as far as bringing criminals to justice? Yes, certainly. And first of all, you know, we'll start off. um, We're going to go ahead and bring in Joseph. Uh, Let's welcome Joseph soon. We'll get things uh, started with our conversation about this tonight. Thank you very much, Joseph, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh. Could be doing better under the circumstances, but it is always a pleasure to be on the People Show. Thank you for having me uh, every week. Uh, Robert is greatly appreciated. Well, certainly, we've got some uh, possible guests uh, lined up uh, for next week. Kelly talked more about that, and then I'm working on uh, getting a gentleman uh, who writes for The Blaze on. Uh, we're going to be uh, – he, he actually got COVID himself, speaking of COVID. And so we had to postpone things uh, with, with that, but we're working on having him and, of course, other folks on. But, Kelly, let's go ahead and uh, get right to it. Um, so one of the things that we're going to you know, want to ask is, you know, why are we focusing uh, when it comes to COVID on a grand jury solution? Well, I it's really real simple. Know. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, Joseph. No, no. Uh, my apologies. I didn't know you were going to segue in. You uh, you go ahead. No problem. Go ahead, Kelly. Okay, the grand jury is the only accusatory body of the federal government for federal felonies. But there is no indictment. There is no presentment. And the people who have done this COVID pandemic can get away with it. And uh, when JFK was assassinated, there was no grand jury investigation. We had the Warren Commission. What happened with that? A lot of distrust. 9-11, no, grand jury was stopped by the uh, Justice Department. Justice Department stepped in and says, oh, we're going to investigate this. Oh, and we then, then we had the 9-11 Commission. There's still a lot of distrust about that. So if we let them get away with something that has cost this country trillions, then we got a problem. Well... There's a team uh, called the COVID-19 Research Team, Dr. Henry Ely. He'll be on hopefully next week. He's uh, said yes so far. 
he's going to expose a lot of the the lies, the facts, the criminality, um, federal statutes that they have violated. For example, the March 24th memo in 2020 um, changed the way death certificates were to be written. So for 13 years before that, there was a procedure, and for example, if you had complications and comorbidities, H1N1, okay, weakened a person's immune system. So when people would die before the March 24th memo, they would write um, um, diabetes, congestive heart failure, um, H1N1 virus, okay? or congestive heart failure, diabetes, H1N1. After the March 24th memo, they changed that to COVID-19, congestive heart failure, diabetes. And we have somebody on our team that's researched the Massachusetts statistics on death, and they only found one person in all Massachusetts that died of COVID only. And so what's going on here? Well, a simple little data trick is all it was. And there are laws, Information Quality Act and others, um, that data from the federal government has to be unbiased and just that, data, facts. And the procedure in which to make a change to the way re, uh, data was reported, you have to go to the Office of Management and Budget. They didn't do that. You have to comply with the Information Quality Act. They didn't do that. If there's an emergency and you think that you can super, uh, circumvent all this, you would simply write a paragraph, a page, a memo. Here's why we're circumventing these procedures. They didn't do that, okay? Uh, CDC, FD, F, FDA, other alphabet, uh, NIH, et cetera, uh, and there's government statistics. No, they just did it. So they didn't file the Federal Register either, which is required for 30 days. They just, they just oh, we're going to report deaths this way now. And then you combine that with all sorts of federal funding um, to keep people quiet and just do your duty, and we'll just keep giving you lots and lots of money. Well, what if this is all based on lies? It's pretty serious stuff. So on Monday, you can see the filing I sent you there, Robert, with the stamp. <clears throat> uh, the team put together a request to the court, federal court in uh, Portland, Oregon, Oregon, the Federal District of Portland, all right? And it reads, uh, you can see the file stamp there, the 7th of March at 2.59 p.m. Uh, Dr. Henry Ely, Senator Dennis Linticum, that's State House Senator from Oregon, Senator Kim Thatcher, plaintiffs versus, and we got names, 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 named. Robert Redfield, the former director of the United States Center for Disease Control, in his individual capacity. Raquel Walensky, in her individual capacity and in her official individual capacity and her official capacity as director for the U.S. Center for Disease Control. Alex Azar, former secretary of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, in his individual capacity. Xavier Becerra in his individual capacity and in his official capacity as director of the United States Department of Health and Human Services, Brian Moyer in his Moyer, sorry, Brian Moyer in his individual capacity and in his official capacity as director of the National Center for Health Statistics, 
and does or John does one through twenty five. Name names, name the criminals. Uh, again, we got file stamped on Monday. Here we go. The on the right side of the legal pleadings, you will see uh, words like this: corrected petition to impanel special grand jury to investigate allegations of federal crimes detailed herein, or in the alternative, to inform impanel grand jury of allegations of federal crimes not detailed herein pursuant to 18 U.S.C. 3332. And we turn to 54, page 54, the names of people who are on this list as witnesses that want to get before a grand jury. So what this, what this uh, filing in federal court is asking, look, would you convene a special federal grand jury because a, federal, a special federal grand jury has subpoena power nationwide and has investigative powers nationwide? So page 54, it says a list of subject matter experts available for testimony estimate to be 70 to 90 hours, and these same can provide affidavits at the behest of the grand jury, including but not limited to, and here's a bunch of names, of course, Ely, Senator Lindicum, Senator Thatcher, uh, Maddie Gary, Stephanie Garay, Amanda Damien, Dr. James Lyon Wheeler, Dr. Sin Hang Lee, um, Dr. Peter McCulley. Peter McCullough was testifying before a congressional hearing. Another doctor, another doctor, another doctor, another doctor. Thomas Rents, he's the attorney pursuing over this. A uh, couple other uh, attorneys, data analyst, analyst people. Uh, uh, Keith Wilkins, he's an investigative researcher. He's actually uh, discovered there's some serious RICO laws that have been violated. So there's many witnesses willing to get before a grand jury and say, look, here's this crime, and here's the evidence, and here's the witness. And, and when this was, was uh, submitted, there's over 500 pages of evidence. The main document is 63 pages long, and it says see Exhibit A, B, C, see Attachment A, B, C, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we are hoping <clears throat> that a federal grand jury will begin investigating the names, people, and many others. And it's in our hope that the witnesses appear, the grand jury becomes convinced, and then they go ahead and they issue an indictment or a presentment. And when this happens, which cross my fingers, um, when this happens, Fauci and company are going to need a fresh change of underwear, if I could say that in a polite way, because they have essentially, we, we believe, have broken the law. So... That's what we're doing, and people are probably wondering, well, what, what does the grand jury have to do with all this? Um, so I will tell you, <laughs> Fifth Amendment, the United States Constitution. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury. And you have to understand the history of the grand jury, which I published a book about. The history of the grand jury um, was there is a shield function and there is a sword function. Now, the shield function prevents political prosecution. If you have an overzealous uh, prosecutor, the grand jury can say, no, we're not going to indict this person. He's just doing political things and speaking his mind. And you know, we also in America have the pedigree or trial by jury, which – oh. This, 
you're prosecuting me for a political crime. Well, your neighbors can protect you. They're saying not guilty. We're not sending him to jail for speaking his mind and not harming someone. Uh, Patrick Henry said it brilliantly. Um, he said, why do we love this trial by jury? Because it keeps – it prevents the hand of oppression from cutting you off. In this, I have comfort. As long as I have my being, my neighbors will protect me. So the grand jury is a shield, and the pettit jury or trial jury, reformers, for centuries. And once the political reformers have been protected, they have made great changes over the centuries. Uh, you look at a king, oh, I don't like what he said, off with his head. That's what kings do. Or you even have an oligarch, I don't like what they said, off with his head. So the grand jury protects in shield as well as pettit jury or trial jury. That's the shield function. The sword function is where a grand jury investigates on their own. Or a grand jury could investigate when a prosecutor presents evidence to them. In the sword function, the grand jury goes after willful misconduct in the office by public officers. And it's actually in the Missouri Constitution. It's also in the New York Constitution. And I'd like to read this to you because this power still applies today. And it also, um, county, state, and federal level. So here's the Missouri Constitution, Article 1, Section 16. Um, it's discussing the grand jury. Um, but when so assembled, such grand jury shall have power to investigate and return indictments for all character and grades of crime. And that the power of grand juries to inquire into the willful misconduct in office of public officers and define indictments in connection therewith shall never be suspended. The New York Constitution has a similar uh, phrase, Article 1, Section 6. The power of grand juries to inquire into the willful misconduct in office of public officers and to find indictments or to direct the filing of informations in connection with such inquiries shall never be suspended or impaired by law. So we have a system, it's called the grand jury, that will investigate willful misconduct in office by public officers. Every now and then you hear of uh, even a congressman getting indicted. So in 2019, um, there were two United States congressmen that were indicted by a federal grand jury. Uh, one was Collins from New York and one was uh, Duncan from Southern California. Uh, they were both Republicans. But even though Trump was the president, uh, he let the Justice Department do its thing, and they, these two got indicted, and, and they pled guilty. One of the best historical examples of the grand jury acting quickly was the Boston Massacre. On March 5, 1770, nine British soldiers shot and killed uh, five colonials. And within eight days, the grand jury handed down the first indictment on uh, March 13th. During the month of March, they continued handing down indictments against the, the British soldiers. Eventually, they went to trial, and John Adams, who would later become president, John Adams was their defense attorney, and two of the uh, soldiers, uh, Kilroy was one, I can't remember the name of the other soldier, they got the death sentence. The other seven soldiers were acquitted because they were essentially following orders. So... That is an, an instrument of peace right there because the tensions were very high in the colonies at the time. Um, you had the intolerable, intolerable acts and the stamp acts and quartering of 
troops inside of uh, the colonials' homes. They didn't like that. That's why we ended up with the Third Amendment. You can't quarter troops in our homes in times of peace. So there was a lot of tension, a lot of frustration. This mess happened. Grand jury indicted, and peace broke out. So the grand jury is a great instrument of peace and a great instrument of accountability. And so the founding generation found it so good to have the grand jury that they put it in place, Fifth Amendment. And so with the um, – can, can the federal government prosecute somebody without a grand jury indictment? That's just a big question here, isn't it? Well, I can read something to you that is very powerful in this regard um, because do you want a uh, government just to throw people in jail just because? No, we don't want that. So I'm trying to find my, my notes here um, about this because it's, it's so important to understand that without an indictment, there is no accountability. So here it is, a paragraph, and I'm citing two court cases, one from 1887 and one from 1973. Uh, on the federal level, for the Fifth Amendment, for a federal felony, if there is no indictment, nor a presentment, then there is no accountability. This means that absent an indictment or a presentment, federal government officials and employees can get away with breaking the law. This is best explained by a United States Supreme Court ruling of 1887. That's uh, ex parte Bain. Where the court states, quote, the declaration of Article 5 of the amendments to the Constitution that, quote, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, is jurisdictional. And no court of the United States has authority to try a prisoner without indictment or presentment in such cases. In 1973, SCOTUS Justice William Douglas wrote something similar. Quote, for no matter how obnoxious a person may be, the United States cannot prosecute for a felony without a grand jury indictment. The grand jury is the only accusatorial body of the federal government recognized by the Constitution. So, once again, no indictment, no accountability, no presentment, no accountability. When the cats are away, the mice will play. During COVID, this COVID pan, uh, pandemic, pandemic, the federal judges in their districts, they told the grand jury, oh, you guys can go home. We don't want you to spread disease. We don't want you to get sick. We don't want you to die. So the grand juries weren't convened. So the accountability mechanism was taken away out of fear of a disease. And you can see all the flip-flop of Fauci, all the this, that. Oh, now they say this. Oh, what's going to be tomorrow? Oh, it's that. Now they go back to what it was. It's a mess. Fauci has committed so much, so many lies before Congress. Him and Rand Paul go back and forth and back and forth. Rand Paul finally referred charges to uh, the FBI to get to the grand jury so that Fauci can be held uh, accountable by the grand jury for committing perjury before Congress. Mm-hmm. Another person was actually, yeah, another person was actually indicted by a federal grand jury for perjury before Congress. What this also means is I can stand up in Congress and I can lie and all sorts of scary facts, whatever. Anybody can lie if there's no indictment. I mean, of course, I know politicians lie, but if the grand jury doesn't do anything, then 
we got problems. Um, so I wanted to read some charges by federal judges. Okay, I found a book. It's called Gentlemen of the Grand Jury. I bought it. It's like, I don't know, 1,400 pages. It is a book put together by Professor of Law Stanton Krauss at Quinnipiac University in Connecticut. And he went around and found these documents in newspapers and other places. They're actually judges' charges to grand juries. And he put this volume together up to 1801. He's got charges of judges going back to the 1600s. And this is based on the colonies and then become states. So we have to know that the judges will impanel a grand jury and then administer their oaths of office. Then the judges give a charge to the grand jury. And it's somewhat of a soapbox, if you will, for judicial concerns and, and the rule of law. The judges will say it's very important what you're doing, so we have a law-abiding society. We have the rule of law, okay? But these judges knew that the duty of a grand jury also included investigating willful misconduct in, in office by public officers. So here we have 1781. This is Judge Robert Hansen's charge, Western Shore Counties of Maryland. Okay, it just recently became a state prior with a colony. But he, he says, gentlemen of the grand jury, you are con convened to execute a trust of the last importance to your country. To inquire after every breach of the penal law, to protect the innocent, to punish the guilty, to guard against the encroachment of power, and to keep every man within the limits prescribed by the Constitution and the laws is in general the business of the grand jury. You will present every man for whose accusation you shall have strong probable grounds. But in favor of innocence, you will disregard unmeaning popular clamors. Another judge, Judge Pickering, to the grand jury of Stratford County, New Hampshire, September 1790. The security of life, reputation, liberty, and property is the grand object of the courts of justice. In a world like ours, it is necessary to punish the vicious in order to protect the virtuous. The institution of a grand jury is the most effectual check to arbitrary power and oppression. Here's another one. And I'm going to withhold the date on this one because this is surprising. Okay? The grand jury came from England, 1215 Magna Carta, actually before that, the Aziz of Clarendon of 11, 1166. All right? But the, the grand jury of the Magna Carta had teeth. All right? So... This is Judge David Jameson's charge in Burlington County, New Jersey. The date was May. Oh, I'm not going to tell you the year. I'm going to, I'm going to let you guess. The judge wrote, I do understand the grand jury of Burlington at the last general sessions of the peace, after an unprecedented manner, have found an indictment against me for what I have done in the execution of my office upon the bench. I'll let people guess what year that was given. 1888. 1888. All right. What do you say? What do you What do you say, Joseph? Mm. I go with what Robert said to be on the safe side. Okay. This is May first, seventeen sixteen. 
Oh, geez. Way before that. <laughs> we were still colonies at the time. May 1st, 1716, grand jury indicted the judge for some type of corruption. Again, 1215 Magna Carta, sword function, more clearly established. Floated in the American colonies, 1635 in Massachusetts. By 1680, all, all colonies had grand juries. All right, I'm going to jump to March 1st, 1798. This is William Few, Judge William Few's charge to the Burke County Grand Jury of Georgia. It would be tedious and not necessary for me to enumerate the duties assigned to you. In a word, as grand jurors, you are to redress every grievance and to support the right of every citizen, and you are to investigate, invigorate, you are to invigorate the laws and extend their operations and effect. Here's another one. Francis Dana, he was cited, by the way, in some Supreme Court cases. Again, these are charges, what the judge told the grand jury, and then they, did, they went to do their duties. All right, so this is Fran, Judge Francis Dana's charge, Fall Circuit, Massachusetts, 1797. A circuit meaning he would do this at several locations. All right, quote, besides another powerful check against oppression from any of our constitutional authorities is formed by your institution. For to you it belongs, gentlemen, to watch over and protect the safety and rights of individuals as well as of the public. Indeed, without such personal knowledge, if you have reason to believe an offense has been committed and no one appears to prosecute it, you may institute an inquiry of yourselves and cause any person supposed to have knowledge of it to be summoned before you for that tend. So, Oftentimes, a prosecutor would present the evidence. Grand jury could issue a subpoena. They could indict, whatever. But Francis Dana is explaining to the grand jury, you can go out on your own. You receive a petition, First Amendment right of petition. You can receive a petition, and then you, grand jury yourself, can investigate without the prosecutor's help or without a prosecutor bringing it to you. So. Judge James Logan's charge, Philadelphia County, September 2nd, 1723. In order, therefore, to bring offenders to condign punishment and for redressing all public abuses within the jurisdiction of this court, you are, according to the oaths and affirmations you have taken, to inquire with diligence and to present with truth and uprightness whatever you find upon your own knowledge or the informations of others to be committed within the county contrary to law. And obviously this included government officials who broke the law. All right, here's another one. <clears throat> Richard Varick Charge, New York City, 1785. Now this is as reported by the paper known as the New York Gazetteer and the Country Journal and other media. So what happens sometimes, how did this get in the media and in the papers? Well, um, grand jurors would be read a charge by a judge, and the and the grand jury would vote and say, "Hey, we really like this, Your Honor. We encourage you and authorize you to publish this charge in the local papers." And they did, and that's how Professor Stanton Krauss was able to gather a number of these charges. It's because it was in the newspaper. So this appeared in the newspaper, and obviously it's kind of a summary by a reporter at the late court. Of quarter session held in this city, a most excellent charge was given grand jury of the court by the recorder 
in which they were enjoined in pursuance of their oath amongst other offenses, particularly to inquire into the abuses committed by the officers of government in respect to the fees extracted by them for their services. And we are informed that the grand jury delivered into court 12 bills of indictment, six of which were for the above offenses committed by the like number of the officers of government. What they were saying, 12 government agents got indicted, 12 separate bills of indictment. So and that was 1785. All right, so... Let me see, Judge Joseph Hudges charged in Gloucester County, New Jersey, <clears throat> dated December 8th, 1795. Quote, at this particular juncture of our affairs, it is more particular the duty of every well-meaning man of the United States to contribute his assistance, and on the other to rectify any infringements of the Constitution. If the president has committed any political error and his ratification of the treaty involves a violation of the Constitution, this judge is telling the grand jury, you hold the president accountable when this president's working on a treaty or if he's not following the treaty. So Alexander Addison's charge, Allegheny, and Fayette, Washington, Westmoreland counties in Pennsylvania, September 1792. Quote, the grand juries are watchmen stationed by the laws to survey the conduct of their fellow citizens and to inquire where and by whom public authority has been violated or our constitution or laws infringed. And now I got one left, and I think this is a, a, the most powerful one. I hunted for years. I finally found it in this, in this book by uh, <clears throat> Professor Stanton Krauss. This is a federal judge, William Goforth. In Hamilton County in the Northwest Territory, it may have been Ohio. I'm not sure where, but it just says well, Northwest Territory. Which... I can't hear you very well. Yeah, so there is a Hamilton County in Ohio, but I don't know if it's the Hamilton County here in Ohio. Yeah, I think there's one in Tennessee too, but it just says Hamilton County. <clears throat> Gentlemen of the grand jury. <clears throat> Your appearance in a court of justice under the respectable character of the grand inquest for the body of the county of Hamilton is the highest possible proof that we are living under the extended wings of a free government. In the arbitrary and despotic monarchies of the Eastern world, the characters and services of grand jurors are not heard of. You are to inquire whether any person or persons having been guilty of the crimes of manslaughter, larceny, perjury, forgery, or usurpation. Um, usurpation, obviously, is government uh, overreach, um, corrupt government, and oppressive government. Usurpation, he used that word. All right. <clears throat> this last paragraph, and we get on to other topics. That this is a point of law in which the rights of man are deeply interested. I shall detain you one minute longer. Was this territory to be honored with a visit from our illustrious and well-beloved president, which, of course, at that time was George Washington? <clears throat> if we were honored with a visit from our illustrious and well-beloved president, who is known to have a soul elevated above all that is mean, nevertheless, as he is human… And it is the lot of humanity to err, 
Suppose he should fall beneath himself as to strike, beat, wound, and commit a violent battery on the body of a poor citizen. While you were sitting and within your knowledge, would it not be your duty to make presentment? Certainly it would. If you did not, he might pity you as men, but as cowards he would despise you. If you did your duty, he would love you for your honesty and revere you for your integrity. So again, the quotes I've been reading are from judges to grand jury members. And so we have this powerful and, tool. And, and you said there's been like, you know, what, what type of, you know, documented uh, information about COVID, what's been going on with COVID uh, that's going to be presented to them? Uh, 500 plus pages. <laughs> that's where Dr. Ely can come in next week and help explain the laws. And hopefully we get Keith on on this too. And he's exposed and put together the RICO violations that have occurred. Um, so it's a lot of it has to do with misinformation. And here's, here's another statute, 18 USC 371, defrauding the federal government, not necessarily financially, but with information. Defrauding the federal government, it is it is conspiracy. It is a ah, conspiracy to defraud the federal government. If you're misleading and there's all sorts of misinformation that you put to the federal government, you are in big trouble. And there have been people that have been indicted for doing this. This is you know in the past. So, and I also found a federal statute. I can't remember right now, but anyone who um, misleads a uh, the public has committed treason. Coerce, actually, was the word. Anyone who has coerced a civilian population is guilty of treason. So we have found a whole bunch of uh, laws they have violated. We have put it together as evidence. We got it to a court in Portland requesting them to convene a special federal grand jury we have a list of witnesses that can get in front of the grand jury. We hope to have a very favorable prosecutor who would run with this and get the criminals indicted. Now, if the Portland court does not convene a special federal grand jury, we could go, say, maybe to Dallas, Texas. We could go to Atlanta. Uh, pick another state, Texas, Georgia, Alabama, uh, South Carolina, maybe Missouri. And we get a federal grand jury somewhere that will take this information, interview the witnesses, issue subpoenas. And so when the subpoenas are flying, uh, vouching company, they're going to need a fresh change of underwear. They didn't expect this to happen. Or maybe they didn't. Or maybe they had to quiet and, and squash. Oh, that's right. We had COVID. Grand jury members wanted to go home. You know, we don't want you to get sick. Um, but now the grand juries are convening back again up in Medford, Oregon. It's about an hour from me. I'm in California, just south of the border of Oregon. Um, the grand juries have uh, began convening again. Uh, there was one in the Medford Federal District convened back in August of last year, August, early September. So the cats are back in business, and the mice are going to have to scamper. Um I can answer more questions or we can discuss more. Um, but I, I wanted to let... I'd love to hear 
you know, what type of evidence, I mean, if we can discuss it on, on this episode, uh, you know, what type of evidence or what kind of things you're going to try to bring to the grand jury to try to make the people held accountable who, as you said, were, you know, were basically lying to us and putting on misinformation. But before we go that, uh, talk about that. Let's see if Joseph, uh, do you got any comments or questions, Joseph? Well, COVID never made any sense from the beginning, uh, the way it was uh portrayed, the way it was explained, uh, never made any sense. The science never made any sense. And we are nearing the two-year anniversary uh, of when uh, President Trump, for the first time in our history as a country, shut down the entire country, including our economy. So two years into this COVID pandemic, and if anything, uh, we are a nation that is aching and hurting and more divided and more distraught than ever. You would have thought two years ago when President Trump shut down the country, you would have thought by now we'd be done with this, we'd be moving on, uh, the election was uh, wouldn't have been rigged, a lot of people were... Uh, nearing 2020, uh, based on how successful President Trump was, a lot of people were betting on a second term so he could finish out his agenda. And once again, two years later, and we're just falling apart um, from the scenes as a nation. Yes, I think a lot of people want to see those held accountable, but to hold those accountable, you have to have a strong country. America has to be in a, in a position of strength. And at this current moment, we're probably at our weakest point in the history of being a constitutional republic. So at this point, I don't even see how that would be even possible, pursuing that those avenues. And with everything that's escalating in Europe with Russia and Ukraine and the fear that whether we like it or not, we may be drawn into a World War III by NATO. Uh, I don't think many people, if you would have asked me this maybe last year towards November, I think most Americans would be on board with you know, pursuing those who are responsible, not just uh, the leftist politicians who implemented draconian lockdown measures that were predicated on lies, that were predicated on science that was faulty and they knew it, that had a political narrative. I think most Americans would say, lock her up, lock her up, lock her up, like they would chant in 2015 and 16 at the Trump rallies referring to former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Everything that's going on, gas prices at an all-time high in history, ranging anywhere from 425 to over $6 a gallon in California and Hawaii, and the fear of us being pulled into a World War III, whether we like it or not, at this point. Um, I, 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 and, and the gas prices and inflation at a 40-year high, and the shortages, um, not knowing if you're going to wake up tomorrow and, you know, all the news outlets are going to say we are now in a World War III. And I think that's what truly most Americans are concerned or 
are distracted at this moment about. And so I think the furthest thing. Real real, real quick, Joseph, as I stated, uh, because I don't know how much time he's going to have in the beginning of the program, uh, we're going to cut in if we have uh, Joel uh, calling in from the the Freedom Convoy. And I I do see his number has uh, come up on on our uh, caller here. So let's go, and we'll, we'll we'll get back to that. And plus, I'm going to talk more about what you're uh, discussing tonight, uh, Joseph. Not just <laughs> for you too, Joseph, uh, but Kelly. When it comes to uh, you know what the the grand juries could possibly do to, I mean, cause I think we still should go after them. I think you know we, we can uh, chew gum and talk at the same time, or walk at the same time. So let's go ahead and uh, welcome Joel. Uh, he is the media recording specialist uh, at the convoy. So let's go ahead and get him in. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Joel, for coming to the show, let me uh, thank you from uh, here, us here at Bard's Logic uh, for calling in, and also for what you guys are doing. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so it's a, uh, just a slight correction. It's a people's convoy. The Freedom Convoy joined us with about 300 trucks. I think it was like two nights ago. Um, so we're still here, hunkered down in Haggerton, Pennsylvania, at the Haggerton Speedway, and I got some pretty uh, startling news for y'all. Uh, <laughs> I got a little. Midwestern thing I picked up, y'all. The actual recording with Ron Johnson and uh, Ted Cruz that took place in Congress, uh, the media was there as well, and we recorded it. And uh, essentially, the, um, the one of the teams there, they were pulled from YouTube. Well, I wasn't for quite a while. And as I was talking about it with a friend and, and trying to get, relay to them the link, my uh, my uh, 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 my my video was also taken down, so they've wow. been censoring just the conversation that the people are having with their Congress people as well. So that's startle. I mean, I you know I just wanted to relate that because it was as I was thinking I gotta get on this podcast that happened literally like wow. So, yeah. Yeah, so we're we're He's dealing with that. He's going back to NSA, Bob. <laughs> it's wild. It's it's some you know nineteen eighty four dystopian sort of mentality that's sort of uh, infiltrated our our government and some strange cooperation between corporations and the such. Uh, having said that, I can give you guys a brief overview, or would you would you do you have any specific questions you want to ask me about what's happening on the ground? Well, first, let's go ahead and start off with uh, your overview, and then certainly we'd like to hear what's going on in the ground and, and what's next. Okay, so I'll take you through my personal journey. I guess there's some highlights. I, I arrived at uh, in Texas. Uh, actually, no, so uh, King, Kingman, uh, Arizona. And the first thing that happened uh, is I, I became friends with uh, Mike Landis, who's, who's one of the co-organizers uh, here. And uh, it, it kind of rolled out from there where now I'm out here uh, sort of, you know, doing media and, and getting, getting the word out on the ground of, what's, of what the experiences are of the people. I've spent a lot of time on the bridges at, with the supporters, and I've heard some, uh, I don't know, I guess perspective changing. I came in with the mentality that I had gotten a call from one of my friends who was a, uh, basically his family, they're part of the whole pharmaceutical industry response to COVID there. And he was giving me um, information about ways in which they were dealing with it that was highly effective. So they started with 
500 milligrams of hydroxychloroquine and zinc. And then from there, they started to formulate their own solutions. But that what jarred me into recognizing or facing that there's something, you know, quite clandestine and uh, deceptive going on was that at the same time I was getting, uh, you know, all of the media blackout and the threatening, you know, um, the threatening mentality towards doctors uh, here in the United States. So I knew from an early stage that there was something wrong with the way that the narrative was being presented to the people. So uh, that's how my heart and my, you know, my mind and my spirit towards this thing kind of evolved. And so, you know, what, since I've been here, it has been a remarkable um, sort of, you know, organic growing movement. Um, the people here are very peaceful. There's every kind of nationality expressed amongst the, uh, the followers and the truckers. You know, women, uh, black people, white people, like every gradient that you could possibly imagine. So if you're getting any information from the mainstream regarding um, sort of pigeonholing and, and you know, the, 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 the common terminology, you know, that's vilifying towards this movement, none of that's present. It feels like a almost like a religious camp in the sense that everyone's communally helping one another out and there's just a, a, a strong sense of community. Um, everyone, you know, if a trucker breaks down, there's five guys around. Uh, I've got had so many incidences where I ran into adversities and was, was treated, you know, incredibly kindly. So there's been a huge swelling support. I've watched it grow three times in size. We're at the point now, I think, and the strategy now, you can hear people uh, chanting in the background, <laughs> um, where we're we're they're they're hunkering down and they're peace they're 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 insisting on on peacefully uh pushing forward so no you know uh any kind of activity that might be aggressive and or uh you know uh, agitating towards the government they're they're telling they're having discussions with the local police in Washington before anything they do and and in any way that they approach uh, getting recognition out here for the people's convoy. So they're, they're just, they're just circling the beltway is, is what we've been doing today was is the, we got rained out and it was sort of the roads were, it's not good for a dually to be out there without its uh, trailer. So we, we sort of took a, a day of rest. Um, but essentially, yeah, it's uh, I'm looking around me right now and I'm, there's lines and lines and lines of trucks that are all out here the fuel costs are being managed by the donations that are coming in. That's kind of a general yeah, I was overview. gonna ask you about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's uh yeah, that's that's one of the uh the things that's being covered through donations. Oh, we have five uh trailers full of supplies. I mean people donated I I've been so busy having to ask where they've come from. I've been I've been broadcasting the whole time. My my page is reset media, but like there's so many donations here. I talked to Mike Landis, who's one of the co-organizers, and he told me, look, we might just distribute this to the homeless or people in need because we have so of overflow of, <laughs> of goods that have been dedicated to, you know, feed the truckers and provide them with whatever sustenance needs they have. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's an exciting thing to be, to be perfect. And I think it's making um, a measurable impact in Washington 
it's been completely overshadowed by uh, the Ukrainian news, obviously. Um, and I haven't even had a chance to look at legacy media sort of like uh, outcroppings that and what they're sort of spinning on it. I don't know. But I, I, I know what I've seen, you know. <laughs> so I want to make sure that everyone knew that uh, so there wasn't any confusion <laughs> about what's happening out here. Yeah. No, certainly. I was kind of wondering because I know, well, you know, when you had the what's going on in Canada, you know, they actually had people who, really, as you know, you know, they'd have these uh, fundraisers, you know, online that were got shut down. And I didn't know, is there any type of online fundraising, you know, that is being done or a website people can go to to have funding for, you know, this convoy, for the People's Convoy? <laughs> Yeah, the peoplesconvoy.org is the site that they're directing everyone to. There were some um, well, scam sites that sprung up that they had to deal with. Uh, we got shut down. Uh, we had a texting that was available to people so they could, you know, know what the convoy is doing and where they're going. And, and it was also communicative for everyone that's a part of it. So uh, let me make it more clear because <laughs> I, I always just make assumptions that people know what's going on here. We have, you know, over a thousand trucks and then. Uh, and I, I can't count how many other uh, RVs, fifth wheelers, and cars, just, you know, auto, automobiles that are following the, uh, the convoy along the Beltway. So they started in Barstow, California, and I was on the 23rd. We arrived here on the 3rd. And so since then, you know, it's, it started to swell in size. So it's not just truckers. It's specifically um, named the People's Convoy because they wanted to involve everybody. Um, but they were modeling the Canadian uh, example, right? And so, as far as funding goes, uh, they've 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 they had time to watch what happened in Canada, and they had time to prepare for it. So they've got some cryptocurrency donations um, that you can you can um, you know give give. And then they have like a rate. I think they have their own uh, process. Uh, money processing server protected by a, a group of lawyers that are are sort of monitoring that and being making sure that nothing can get infiltrated in regards to the uh, donations coming in. So they've they've done a pretty good job. It was hectic in the beginning, and then they started to you know create more efficiencies. And I was I was a little leery when I when it first started because it was it was hard to follow a convoy because they didn't have any they had to learn as they went right. So they had to keep. They had to learn, like the, I talked to the tech technicians in charge of the website. We've communicated. I created a site that sort of like augments what they're doing, which is like I have GPS coordinates for truckers so that people know exactly where the convoy is. And that's the people's convoy location.com. But the people's convoy, I have to make it clear that they want everyone to be going to the website to get all their information. It's so that this information doesn't spread. Peoplesconvoy.org. Is it is the uh, actual website? So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and of course the the legacy media or left wing media doesn't have much doesn't have much good to, to say about it. I was looking at, uh, and I'm not going to go into the article, yeah. but you know, yeah. and I wouldn't even really say who it's from, but yeah, I just was perusing, you know, just one, you know, of the, of the left wing. I mean, I call the media now the propaganda arm of the of the Democrat Party. I mean, that's pretty much all the you know whether you know legacy media or alphabet media, uh, or uh, right. again I, they're all just the yeah. propaganda arm of the Democrat Party at this point. 
But I think Joseph wants to comment yeah. on something. Go ahead, Joseph. Oh no! I, yeah, I was just agreeing with you. Uh, like uh, something that just like I, you know, I, I should probably reiterate that my uh, posting of the actual meeting with Congress was taken. I mean, I can't even fathom. Like, I, it's it's too hard for me to. I mean, I'm still in shock that we we're literally in the dystopian sort of you know reality where certain voices are are you know squelched and the reasons and and sort of the the dark places where uh, sort of these relationships are made. I'm sure on this show, you have talked a, quite a bit more about that. This is, I'm a newbie in regards to all that, but I know there's something very insidious happening uh, when I see the kinds of censorship that ha- have occurred. Um, one of the s- most remarkable things I've discovered on the bridges, and this is just illuminates more of what I was saying before. Uh, I've talked to ER doctors who've lost their jobs. I've talked to nurses who've lost their jobs. Military members have lost their jobs. I just talked to a military member today who was administered hydroxychloroquine before he went abroad. And then, you know, that was his, you know, aha moment, wake up and kind of enlightening, you know, moment to say what is going on here. And I've heard numerous vaccine injuries. And one of the hardest things to hear from one of the people who was sort of testifying slash getting interviewed was to hear him talk about his vaccine injury and how he's permanently disabled from the vaccine and that he wouldn't, he wasn't comfortable to tell me his name. And then that kind of, wow. you know, that feeling of you're an American citizen has been injured through a medical per- procedure and you're afraid to talk about it. Like, I mean, I mean, I don't know how to express how, you know, where we're at in regards to that. It's it's a scary place for a nation to be, you know, and we've arrived. Oh, yeah, we had a a gentleman on some time ago who was a pharmacist who was in his wife, and they got fired because they refused to give a child uh, the vaccine. Right, right. And, and, And we know the data on that, and anyone who's done their research or cares enough to look into this further knows that, you know, it's 260 per million as opposed to like uh, 30 in regards to natural infection. So if you're, if a child gets COVID there, the, 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 the sort of side effects that may be generated from that is so much less and measurably less than when, if they were to get, especially males between the age of 11 and 19, so, like, that's something I had to do a lot of deep research on to figure out. And when people, if anyone is spinning the narrative that uh, natural infection isn't as, uh, I say, robust, it's far more robust than what, what say what we'd say a vaccine um, to protect your body from. I mean, you're listening the technology of the immune system, and natural infection has a, is, is what we're doing when we're, we're using the trick technology directly. So, yeah, I mean, it's. That is the Kentucky study from the CDC is very confusing because it's it, it, it defies conventional science. And this is this is part of why I'm so focal point like centered on um, censorship, because it's our ability as citizens to inform ourselves as to what could be construed as corruption, you know, by the government or some relationship the government may have with corporate interests. And yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a big deal. <laughs> I guess I'm not, I, I I can't like you know accentuate that enough that we need to be vigilant right now 
in sort of like standing up. And that's the message that's being invoked continually by Brian, who's sort of evolved into sort of the charismatic, you know, uh, spokesperson for the People's Convoy. Um, I should I should uh, be meeting up with Brian soon. But uh, yeah, it, it's 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 an interesting, uh, you know, I, 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 they're modeling it after Canada, which we have to thank the Canadians. Blame Canada for that one, right? I mean, they 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 really did were the spearhead on this. But now um, the people that I've spoken to that are here are in it for the long run. Some of these guys have to go and do loads to meet their uh, immediate financial needs, and then they're going to be right. coming right back. So it's hard to say where it's going. I wish I could give you more information in regards to that. We just had that meeting with the uh, uh, Ted Cruz and Ron Johnson, and you know, I mean, they were very enthusiastic about supporting the People's Convoy, but there was no other uh, senators in there um, in that in that meeting. And, and now it's not even available through my platform. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. I could try. Oh, it's on Rumble. I put it up on Rumble, and I can send you guys that link after the call. Yeah. That would be yeah, cool. So were they – uh, Send it over to Kelly and then bring it back. Uh, yeah, and then I could get it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah go Joel ahead. Kelly here. I, so were the yeah. uh, the senators pretty supportive? Were they listening? Did they give any opinions? Uh, what what uh, what was your take from the meeting? I I I don't even want to speak to it. It was remarkable. It was intense. Like it was. They were they were they had doc. It, what was so beautiful about it is that they had just everyday truckers there, you know, and they were well-spoken and they did have some good, you know, you know, sort of like quick responses to what the media came in halfway through. I don't want to spoil, I don't want to do any spoilers for you, but uh, it was, it's, you don't even know the two hours go by. It's, it was really good. I don't know what else to say. I mean, uh, Brian held his own. Um, There was a young man there. I, I, I'm sorry. I can't remember his name. But he was a he was a black gentleman who was living in California, and he had some beautiful things to say about um, how he's lost his ability. You know, he hasn't gone to prom. He he didn't he, he got his his uh, you know graduation paperwork in the mail. He wasn't able to stand with his his peers. And and it, it, I mean, it was heart heart it was heartwarming. And there was a lot of emotion, and and a little bit of, a little bit of uh, you know tense interplay between um, the um, reporters and the and the people sitting the truckers sitting in with the uh oh yeah so both yeah ted cruz and ron johnson were stellar i mean they were just they 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 took some even further steps uh during the during the uh interview to elucidate what what they've been seeing in congress so they they weren't they were really up you know up front they stood out they they stood up for for what was happening so yeah, it was it was it was it was incredible. I I, I will send you that link because I I know that Rum, I don't foresee Rumble taking it down. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys there? Yeah, that's Yo, really no, encouraging. Yeah, no, we're, yeah, we're still here. Yeah, there's there's another channel you can go to. It's called BitChute, and they'll put anything on their YouTube-like uh, website. So BitChute, I've yeah. So BitChute Rumble. How, how much? So you're saying that your transmission, but aren't you on a separate website completely? Your transmission was shut down. No, I wasn't transmissionally. So I have over 
I think it's 10 video interviews now of real time, um, you know, situational uh, conversations with people on bridges uh, on my specific site, which is a U- it's YouTube, Rumble, and Instagram. So that's as much time as I had. I've uh, basically had to dedicate my funds to a new um, editor who's come on. And I have to upload the data, and so I don't want to tell you about the hassles. But essentially, uh, uh, my viewership has quadrupled. Uh, my subscribers and everything since I've started. And so people aren't getting it's a lot of this information isn't accessible to the general public. So people who are looking for it are looking for it on these smaller social media platforms. They're, they're, they're not depending on legacy media because legacy media is just not reporting. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm on the ground, like getting sort of this information disseminated as, as much as I can with, without, without losing, without, uh, suffering from sleep deprivation, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a, a, a yeah, real. I am, uh, I am seeing a, uh, I am, I am seeing a video on YouTube uh, that that's got got you on there, Joel. It says, uh, yeah, People's Convoy, uh, Joel and Sonbera uh, with Reset Media, bring you interviews real time. So it's about a 15-minute video. It was, I guess it was when you posted about five days ago. So there is still one here, actually up on YouTube. Yeah. No, the, the only one they pulled was the congressional hearing. I, they pulled it right before I got on this call with you. And that one would be oh, wow. uh, People's Boy Meets with Ron Johnson and Ted Cruz. That would be the title on Reset Media. That one was pulled right before I got on the phone with you. <laughs> it was just kind of, you know, funny timing. But yeah, <laughs> that's what happened. Literally. Just, you know, <laughs> I was thinking, you know I got, I'm going to get on this call. And then I was like, you know sort of distracted <laughs> I was looking around for my video but it's it's not there anymore so oh, so that oh, wow. okay hey have you had any chance to I know you're super busy in sleep deprivation in fact I know, you know we've been friends for years and I'm trying to get a hold of you and I was hooray yeah. about your text that you're heading there um, yeah. have you had any time to look at the mainstream media and or if if you have is the mainstream media media downplaying it or lying because I saw some I think it was a Yahoo article where they said yeah hundreds of trucks hundreds it's a dozens dozens of trucks are going around the DC Beltway dozens because I know you told me there's thousands oh, yeah. so the mainstream oh, yeah. is like oh yeah, yeah dozens in fact you know I, I really wish I had more detailed information for you guys uh, but I again like uh, as Kelly knows I've been so busy like just trying to gather media and bring it out to the people. But I do know a few things that are details. For instance, Brian, who again is the sort of charismatic uh, carrier of the, of, of he's kind of naturally evolved into that role. He discusses everything with us. He insisted. In fact, what happened uh, is before the media came in, they said there will be no live streaming. And then we were, he's like, Nope, we're going to, we're going to let these guys live stream. So it happened. And uh, it was only because he insisted. And he conveys everything to everyone uh, during our, our, our rallies in the evenings to, to the people. So they're doing a really good job of making sure that it doesn't become an insular thing and that, they're in, that everyone out here is uh, involved in the process to the best of their ability. Truckers are very strong, independent people. so They have a lot of opinions, but they're managing it quite well. And so um, it, he told us that, uh, hey, guys, stick to the speed limit. 55 miles an hour. No. And 
it's a ball. I guess it's like a like what it must be like to go to a libertarian convention. I mean, there's fireworks and <laughs> you know, there's there's uh, musicians and I call it the uh, the redneck Woodstock actually because uh, there's so much joy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> redneck to Woodstock. It. Redneck so Woodstock. So when you guys are when wow. Well, yeah. So when you yeah. so when you guys are not on the road, did some farmer let you park in his field or where are you guys? Park right, yet. and I met. Yeah, he's 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 a real hard ass, uh, but a, a great guy. And I've spoken with him twice for organizational matters. And he's here, and he said this land is made available. So as we've been going across the United States, we have had people come out and donate hundreds of pizzas. They have people cooking for us. I, really, it's been a communal involvement. Uh, people are crying on the bridges. There's so many frustrated Americans out there right now. It, and, you know, I don't know what has infiltrated our mindsets at this point, the slow boil, I guess we might call it. But, um, you know, there should be a lot more support. But the kind of support for the people who do show up really show up. I mean, they're like really hardcore about making sure that we're taken care of and that they're able to, uh, you know, they, they're melting inside to know that something's happening in this country. Like, I, I don't know how else to express it. It's a powerful place to be. Uh, like I said, it's almost a religious experience in that sense. You know, you get that high that people might get at a church or something like that. There's, oh, I should point out, um, politically, I'm a classic liberal or, or quote-unquote libertarian in my viewpoint and a truth seeker. So for me, it's easy to be supportive of this movement. But there, there's a lot of, like, you know. There's a lot. Joel, there's a whole can, you, can you explain? Uh, can you explain classic liberal? Because I'm that way too, like Thomas Jefferson type. Can you explain? Go into yeah. a classic liberal. What that means? I, well, I shoot. I, you know, you would be way better at the dictionary definition than I would, Kelly. Like honestly, because the knowledge base that you have about these things. But I would say, when I refer to myself as a classic liberal, I am a. I, I'm hugely into tolerance. And the freedom for people to do as they wish, as long as it's not harming. And as construed harm, I would say that to be more accurate about that definition is physical harm, not um, I'm offended because you said this or I'm uncomfortable with the way you're behaving or acting. So from a sociological point of view, to me, it means the, the correlation between uh, freedom and tolerance is direct. The more tolerance you have, the more liberty you have. And the more liberty you have, the more tolerance you must have. So that's a conversation that's been going out here about being thick-skinned and being able to hear other points of view. So I outright, I have my uh, discomforts with uh, the personality type that embodies Donald Trump. And I, I tell people, and they said, good, let's talk about it. So it's a different conversation you might have with, I guess, uh, I don't want to. I don't like to get into the. I don't like to even enter into the polarization conversation, but it is a different conversation that you might get on the left, where there doesn't yeah. seem to so, be much left. Well, let me yeah. let me try to define a classic liberal. And by the way, I I really like that. That's the first time I heard that. If huh. you're tolerant, you'll be into freedom. If you're f- free and you understand freedoms, you'll be very tolerant. That's brilliant. The founding generation right. is probably the best gener. Uh, definition of of a classic liberal right right yeah well yeah i I like that too i like the fact that you can co-op re-co-op the term you know what i mean 
because uh, I think it's been infiltrated by uh, the new liberal or the neon liberal, I guess you'd call it, is like uh, there's some psychological aspect to what they're doing that compassion is cruelty, what seems right is wrong. Um, you know, compassion being cruelty is a good example. Like, uh, well, because compassion is so important and because it's the only thing that matters, if you have a counter narrative at all, if you have anything to say that is at all like not following suit with what's been crammed down our throats, then you're violent because what is it? It's all about compassion. So then you can justify cruelty through their compassion. Do you see how crazily ironic that is? But I see that happening often on the left and it's sad because I don't think people even know that way, you know? So some people are like, we're going to take away your freedoms to protect you from what? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, these issues, yeah, freedom is so important. It's to the core of every American because we've had generations of this. And do you yeah. think a, a classical liberal that had control of the media system would would censor your work? No, uh, thank you. You said it. I, 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 I can't, I'm still like trying to regurgitate my mind what that means for me as an, a victim. Now, this is my first victimization, by the way. I, I, I've had a lot of other things I've stood up for where I was attacked in different ways, but this is my first experience with censorship, and I'm a little feeling a little PTSD right now. Like, what just happened? <laughs> I can't believe it. Oh, like, I understand. I, I yeah, I, yeah, I, I understand. I mean, I, I got censored once. Uh, I, I got censored once on YouTube, and they just cut out my video. I'm like, "What? Oh, come right. on!" So they yeah. did that. That's frustrating. You know, when Fox News came out with the election fraud uh, after the t- 2020 election, um, I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" My neighbor had it recorded, so I set up my phone and I turned the TV on, and I and, and my phone got it loud and clear. Put it on YouTube. I sent it out to a few people. I got maybe 10 views, and it was, boom, shut down. Boom. Amazing. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're exposing it. They're talking about the election fraud. Bam, they shut me down. So I've, I've had that firsthand experience. I've had, uh, I don't, I, weird, but when I'm doing high-level stuff, I've had my computer get hacked in different ways. At one time I yeah. had, um, I was working on something in 2016 regarding election integrity, and Microsoft yeah. decided to upgrade my computer three times in one day. So months and months and months go by. Microsoft never took control of my computer, rebooted to add all these upgrades. They never did that. Three times well, in one day. You know, Kelly, I, I want to point this out that I, I think for anyone who, for Americans in general, like, it's, I, I mm, how do you say this? Their lack of voice is their security. So they don't really understand that they still, there's still this sense of I'm free. Well, of course it's your, it's the one, it's your, it's your group tribal narrative that you're okay with, with knowing that that's the one that, you know, makes you comfortable within your, your clan, but they don't really understand that if you are effective in any way in which you're going to like counteract disinformation and that's right is wrong and wrong is right now with disinformation then you will have consequences for it and and that 
you know, how do you, how do you ever bring someone to that understanding unless they've had it happen to them, right? They, they just, it's too easy for them to stay ignorant of that. And then it's through safety, right? But even though they may right. know at some level that there's a fear impetus, they don't, it's subconscious. Like for them to have the conscious realization is when they're actually, you know, their, their voice is, uh, is silenced. And a lot of people don't have the experience with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's one thing to hear these stories of people getting censored, their Facebook, their Twitter, their YouTube, whatever, shut down. But when you experience it personally, it is a shock. It is like, what? Oh, my gosh. You know, because you start thinking thoughts like, you know, I'm making a difference. There's big eyes on me. And now they right. did this to me electronically, and you're like, oh, boy, what else do they know about me? Other questions of your own personal security. Before I published my book and a few years later, I had five friends. Yeah. They know what's going on in the world. And I had five people approach me and say, you've got to stop what you're doing or you're going to end up dead. One guy says, dude, you want to paint a bullseye on your, on your chest? A bullseye? Yeah. What? What are you talking about? He said, you've become a target now. Did you know what? That was back in going back to 2010, 11, and thereafter. And I am still alive, even though five well-meaning, well-intentioned friends have told me, you've got to stop what you're doing or you're going to end up dead. This is the cost of liberty. And uh, who was it? Was it Patrick Henry who said, I have one regret, and that is that I only have one life to give for my country. So the founding generation – there was enough people. It wasn't the majority. It was, you know, the Revolutionary War. One third of the people were for revolution. One third against it. One third couldn't make up their mind. But it was only right. five or ten people, five or ten percent, that actually fought on the battlefield enough for the British to sue for peace. And so, after Seven Year right. War, 1776 to 1783, we finally had peace, and it was going on before with Lexington and Concord in 17, April of 1775. And we still didn't commit independence until July 4th, 1776. But you talk right. about the, 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 the gonads that the founders had. When they yes. signed the Declaration right. of Independence, they were signing their own death certificate. You know that? Their own death sentence. And that one yep. of them said, well, the good thing is we all hang together. And so yep. in the British mind, they were committing treason. And they were, they were in far uh, greater peril than we are today. And we have had blessings upon blessings because of brave, fearless men. Uh, me, right. I have a hope in God and, and, and that eternal security. Um, some people don't necessarily have that, but when you right. have that, it, it allows you to continue in your tasks for freedom. And the next thing you know, you don't feel alone because you go to a big rally, you know, the, the truck convoy. You, you're surrounded with like-minded people. All of a sudden. You don't yeah. feel alone anymore, and, That's right. and you're encouraged. That other and, and people well, are risking uh, their lives. And one of the things you want to bring up, uh, and we got George on the line. We'll, we'll, we're going to try to get him in. He's, he's got a little um, detraction uh, from from what we're saying here, and so perhaps we can, you know, we'll get him. We'll get it. We'll get him in. But first, uh, one of the things uh, I want to bring up. I was watching the, you know, the people on uh, the highways and on the overpasses uh, of those yeah. who are supporting the People's Convoy, you know, on this YouTube video that I'm watching here. So it's, it's, it's not something that's made up. It's, it's something that, you know, is actually has happened. It's being documented. Right. And it reminds me of Overpasses right. of America. 
we had uh, actually one of our, our panelists some years ago. Actually, for our for our ten year anniversary, I'm going to try to get some of it because yeah. June of this year will be our ten year anniversary here on the show. So I'm going to try to get James awesome. Neighbors back on. Uh, he was actually a panelist for the while and one of the founders of, or the founder, I should say, of Overpasses for America. I believe that was back in 2014. I think it went all the way up to 2019, um, you know, the, the organization. So it reminded me a lot about that, if, you know, you know, people, you know, just getting together and doing that. But I'm going to go ahead and let you guys uh, finish up, uh, okay. you know, what you are saying. Then we can bring in George and, and see what he's got, uh, he's got to say. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I guess I'd end with it. I, it, it left something uh, when I heard you say, uh, Kelly, that you uh, have a different um, psychology because of your beliefs, right? Uh, I, I did do a short, uh, you know, uh, segment on talking about if you have a, an ex- existential uh, authority, you're a threat. So it's no accident that in a communist government, one of the first things they try to eliminate is religion because it does undermine governmental authority because everyone's going to always worship something in regards to, like, information because you can't know everything. And there's a lot of insecurity and confusion in trying to assess things for yourself. And we can see that with the legacy media. We can see it with governments. But when people have a transcendental authority, they are immune to uh, you know, they're a little more wily. <laughs> so, I mean, I just wanted to point that out. It's a beautiful thing that you said. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, in conclusion, um, this, this is, uh, these people are sticking around and they're not, they're, they're, they've, they've got, you know, the demands to get rid of the emergency, uh, the emergency mandate orders uh, on all levels, uh, you know, from, from an all policy levels. And uh, I don't know how much, uh, you know, I, I'm doing my best uh, with the leadership here to try and um, form some uh, sinews uh, between what you're doing, Kelly, and, uh, and and what they're doing here. So I'll keep working on that, and uh, I guess that's uh, that's what I'd conclude with. Well, if you don't mind, um, I think uh, George may have uh, some questions for I know he certainly has um, some for Kelly. Uh, and so okay. we'll, uh, if you could stay on. If not, uh, Joel, we understand. We know, you know you're out there. Uh, with the People's Convoy, definitely check out that website, uh, you know, yeah. peoplesconvoy.org. Uh, and then, again, you, yeah. could, you yeah. could also find some, some videos. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I should probably head in, and, and, and i got a, a segment to edit tonight. Um, but, uh, hey, look, if you guys uh, need any more information or, uh, again, uh, Kelly, you and I can talk separately, and we are, uh, I'll, do, I'll keep fighting the fight out here. So uh, love you guys for, uh, you know, speaking truth to power. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. Well, Thanks, Joel. To, yeah, definitely uh, like to hear some more updates about uh, the People's Convoy, and you have a good evening. And so we'll, uh, we've, got, we've got George on the line, and he's got some, some questions about, uh, you know, what you're working on, Kelly. So let's go ahead and um, bring him in, and we'll see, uh, you know, how it goes. Uh, but Joel, but thank you very much, George, for coming to the show. Uh, you said you had some questions for for Kelly with what he's working on. Go ahead. And you said he's traveling from Virginia, through Virginia to New York at this point. Yeah, that's right. That was some crappy, uh, crappy motel. It came a bad rainstorm, and I had to had to pull off. And so 
Well, I got bored and got online. First of all, let me give you a little background about myself. If I, if I interrupt anyone, don't take it the wrong way. I have a little trouble hearing sometimes. Um, but I'm not mad. I'm recently retired, and, um, you know, I've, I've, I've seen a lot and done a lot in my life. And uh, I've seen a lot of freedoms be taken away. We first of all live in a country that incarcerates a larger percentage of the citizens than any country on on uh, earth, first of all. And uh, I've seen atrocities in my life that you can only imagine. And, and, when I, and I'm going to start out with something else that intrigued me, if you don't mind, before I get to my business with, uh, I believe you said the person's name was Kelly. Can you still hear me? Yes, we do. Go Hello. ahead, George. Oh, sorry. I thought I lost you. This phone's crappy here. Um, but anyway, um, I heard someone say just as I dialed in. I hadn't been listening until I dialed in because uh, I dialed in because of a synopsis I read. Uh, but I, um, I heard someone say that our, that our individual freedoms were being taken away. So first, because I, I feel it will take less time to discuss, what individual freedoms are we talking about that have been taken away? Well, certainly, I, I don't know about you, there. but I, I still have all the same freedoms that I had in February 2020. I haven't lost any individual freedoms. Well, certainly one of the individual freedoms that a lot of us uh, are dealing with, and that has to do with the First Amendment, George. And that is there are a lot of us, especially those oh, no. who are out there. Well, wait a minute. Okay, how was we your first you know, to stop you? Don't, don't I told you I might interrupt I you. No, wait. I know what you're getting at. But George, uh, I, you know, don't, don't interrupt us. We will give you the time to to talk, and then, you know, we, we, I, what, I'll give you, uh, you gave us a little background, George. I'll give you a little background. I've been following politics for about forty about forty two years now, and one of the things that drove me uh, drove me crazy when I watched other programs and listened to other programs on the show is when you had multiple people talking over each other, and you really have a difficult time hearing what someone has to say. So there's there's not very many rules here on Bard's Logic, but one of the rules that I do uh, stick to is we don't allow people to talk over other people, and that's that's. That's one thing I don't abide by here, abide for here. So anyway, so we'll give you, you your opportunity to, to say your words, and then we'll get ours. And so, and as I was saying, you talk, okay, hold on, okay. Okay, so I'll bring, you, I'll bring your mic back on once, once I'm done. And then I'll get, if you ask us, so we're going to answer your question. And so you asked us what freedoms, and then we can talk to Joseph, and then we can have our other panelist, Kelly, on. We'd be happy to answer that. For those of us who are in the media sphere, okay, there have been some, you know, First Amendment rights that have been infringed upon. There are those of us who have been censored where we should be censored. There are things that people have been in our industry uh, or folks who don't get paid to do this, we just do this and use our own money, such as myself, uh, you, you know, while I'm not deplatformed, I know people uh, who have been uh, because, of their, uh, because of their views. I mean, I have uh, 
getting rid of my internet connection. I'm going to be getting rid of my b- providers because they don't seem to like what what American News and Newsmax wants to bring uh, to the people because they're you know what they're reporting is not fitting in with the liberal agenda, and that is infringing on our, on our First Amendment right. So certainly, those uh, that's what are being taken away our right to be able to have free speech, and you know, and that's what's being taken away in those manners. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring it open up to you, Joseph, and if, if there's anything that you say, you know, say that your freedoms that have been taken away, and then also, also we won't even talk about uh, uh, the Second Amendment, in which uh, Biden. Uh, wants to make it harder for people to buy ammunition online when it's so difficult to find ammunition anyway, anywhere. See, he's wanting to, to take those type of things, and that's our Second Amendment that they're looking to infringe upon. But, Joseph, if you've got anything you want to add, and then Kelly, and then we could bring George back on who wants to direct uh, another question to, to Kelly specifically. Uh, go ahead, Joseph. I think it's case-by-case basis. I can only speak to my experience. I've had my rights, my basic civil liberties stricken from me. I used to reside in the beautiful state of Hawaii. And when uh, the country was shut down by President Trump and was reopened, and Trump gave a directive to the governors to decide how they wanted to reopen or if they wanted to continue to you know, sh- keep their economy shut down or how they wanted to uh, approach, uh, how they were going to implement uh, COVID restrictions or not. I personally was stricken of my liberties, um, being forced to wear a mask, six feet distancing, um, rules that you, you couldn't dine in restaurants at the time that I left Hawaii, which things have gotten much worse. I left uh, yeah, July of uh, 2020. Correct. So I've, I've experienced a lot of personal liberties that were stripped of me, and that, that basically forced my hand to leave a state in which I had every intention to stay there, retire there, live there until the good Lord took me. I've had my HIPAA rights violated by a doctor who actually discriminated against me um, because I didn't have a vaccination for COVID when I was going to the ER. So I can speak of my personal experience, and I tell you something, you know, you don't know what you have until you lose it, and a lot of these liberties that I took for granted all my life, uh, it, it made me see things from a different perspective with these draconian lockdown measures and the pain and suffering that has caused so many people to realize, boy, did I take a lot of personal liberties and constitutional liberties and really took my own country for granted. I literally was speaking to a friend the other day and yeah, they were putting on a Christmas movie on cable and I'm thinking who puts on a Christmas movie in in March. And I remember the last normal Christmas, 2019. It was the last time I actually saw a movie at a movie theater in Hawaii in Honolulu. Back in the good old days before COVID when you could have hundreds of people watching a movie uh, because there was no restrictions of capacity levels without masks, people popping their popcorn and enjoying themselves. 
the economy was booming in 2019. Uh, you know, malls were full, people were shopping, people were not wearing masks. And that was the last normal Christmas. If someone would have told me back then that three months later, this pandemic was going to shut down the entire global economy, I would have said, I don't know what you're smoking, but you're out of your mind. And so all I can say before I defer back to you is I could speak from my own personal experience because I've learned it's not a good idea to assume someone's past that you don't know underestimate or overestimate or start getting into the conversation of, well, I've lived a long life. I viewed a lot of atrocities. I've seen a lot of atrocities too, but I'm not going to go out there and make the implication that because I've had a, a bad experience that I should assume what others have gone through or not have gone through. And that's why a lot of times when we're having these debates, I always emphasize it's in my opinion it's in my experience because I find it hypocritical to infringe on other people tending to say, because I went through this, I know more than you. Because I went through this, I'm wiser than you. Therefore, I'm the wiser one in the room, and I should be the one that has the power to lecture you. I'm the type of guy who says, hey, case by case, but you know what really upsets me is when people start to have a lack of tolerance. And that is a big problem in this country. It's a lack of tolerance. If you disagree with what somebody else says, whether you're on the left, the right, the middle, the center, libertarian, Green Party, then you are the enemy. You are the problem. And then instead of having a civil discourse, we have people shouting over each other. Forget about talking over each other. Literally, if you go on CNN right now, MSND, uh, MSNDNC, and Fox News, you literally have people who are so vitriolic. We're so divided that they're not even speaking over each other. They're shouting over each other to where the host of the show literally has to mute both mics and say, we can't have this. We just can't continue to have this. So if we're going to have an honest debate, then let's do so in a civilized manner. But make no mistake, to come on any show and pretend you know more about a person's life and experience whom you've never met and heard before is hypocritical and, in my opinion, is wrong. And I'll defer back to you, Robert. Well, and I've got to get myself into the green room because we do have another uh, caller who'd like to chime in. But I did want to say uh, we'll bring it back to you, Kelly, and then uh, we'll see what the, our caller, uh, another caller has uh to say, and then we'll bring George back in. So go ahead, Kelly. Uh, yeah, so uh, the question posed by George, seems like a new caller. I hope you're having safe travel, sir. Uh, rights and liberties taken. And so I'm curious if, if George calling in is a classic liberal like the founding generation, or, he's a, or if he is a uh, neo-modern liberal. That'd be uh, interesting. When he has his turn, he can go ahead and say all right, I'm going to go ahead and list some rights. I just wrote them down. Um, liberties and fringe. During nullification, um, to introduce during nullification in California, forget it. The judge will cut you off. During nullification is where the jury re realizes that the law itself is on trial just as much as the cause to be decided. Chief Justice Harlan Stone, 1941. Um, you can't speak with New, New Hampshire. They finally passed a law that the defense attorneys can introduce 
during nullification. Now, of course, the incarceration rate in New Hampshire is going to go way down. George had a good point about the highest incarceration rate when you have the most difficult system to get somebody convicted. But during nullification, you look at the stats, I will bet you that New Hampshire has, has dropped the incarceration rate because of during nullification. But in California, that right's been taken away. Right to petition a grand jury. <clears throat> a right of petition arguably is in its origin to, to a grand jury. Adderley versus Florida, Bureau of Duryea versus Gardneria, going back to the Magna Carta, calling the right of petition was to a grand jury. Parliament did not – an elected parliament didn't exist at the time. What's happening is you have gatekeepers. The district attorney will not let you get to the grand jury. Uh, federal prosecutors block and obstruct petitions to grand juries. That's a right that's been infringed. Let's go to another one, of course, right to uh, – they sure keep trying with the Second Amendment to keep – to grab your guns. Um, and they place all sorts of restrictions, anything but take the guns. Here in California, so there's a lot of rights taken there, right? Right to protection of, of the liberties by the California Constitution. Governor Newsom, he issued a bunch of mandates. I studied the California Constitution. Guess what? He can only do the will of the California legislature, as in what bills have been passed. The mandates Newsom put on the people were not constitutional, at least my opinion, because the legislature didn't authorize him to do this, and this has long centuries of the power of a, a parliament or a colonial legislature, whatever. Here's the only power we're giving you, Governor. And there's a second part in the Constitution that you can't be doing this. All right, so Christy Noam, in comparison, the governor of South Dakota, she said, I don't have the constitutional authority to determine in South Dakota what is and is not an essential business. That's a nice comparison for freedom. Land and land use. I'm a civil engineer, do uh, developments, other things, house plans. Unbelievable. We have lost the right to use our land. Land and land use is sacred until we harm another person. The building codes and the development codes have gone nuts. So many rights have been infringed there. Right to equal protection or equal application of the law. Guess what? I got a buddy. He's a contractor. Code compliance is going after him and making his life miserable. And I was there when the code compliance Nazis came in. And Equal application of the law? I don't think so. This contractor in the small town he lives in, he noted at least seven, maybe it was ten, uh, violations of the building code. People building uh, – re-roofing, you have to have a permit to re-roof in California. A garage, a building, all sorts of things. He wrote them down, turned them into code compliance. They've done nothing. But they're going after him. That is not equal application of the law. Uh, right to due process. Um, I've seen too many court cases where – Judges go way off in their uh, due process, including the right to appeal, and so you have to hire an attorney and pay thousands of thousands of tens of thousands of dollars to file an appeal. This is ridiculous. The right of due process has been violated. Not all the time. Of course, they're very good judges. Um, so the right to travel, <laughs> we pay for the roads. We can't use them unless we have a driver's license, all sorts of things. I mean, I, 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 I just pen these out while we're talking. And so compared to the classical liberals of 1776 generation, uh, we have lost a lot of rights. And if we had not stood up for these liberties, how many more rights would have been gone by now? So luckily there's good Americans who keep continuing to fight to make sure – that our liberties are sustained, but we compared to 1776, we have lost an enormous amount of liberties, an enormous amount of rights. I just gave some examples. So, I guess I wanted to um, ask George, the caller, is he a classical liberal, as in 1776 founding generation, or is he a 
neo-modern liberal. Like I said, the question I asked asked George and see where he's where he's coming from on this. Well, let's go ahead and bring uh, George back on. We will give him the opportunity to speak. Uh, I spoke briefly with the person in the green or in the Skype caller, and it was obvious they weren't uh, had anything real uh, serious uh, to say or add to the conversation, and and they've hence uh, hung up, which is fine. But you know, you know, sometimes we do get those people uh, calling in. Uh, but anyway. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring George back. Uh, so we'll give him an opportunity. Uh, George, I'd like to answer that question oh. from Kelly, and then you, I know you've got some other questions yourself. Uh, sure. Go ahead, George. First of all, first of all um, to the person from Hawaii, I just want to address something. I, I wasn't assuming that I knew more than you, sir. I was only trying to explain that I've seen a lot in my life, and because of my voice and speech pattern tends to trail off, sometimes I'm not taken seriously, uh, but that's because due to an unfortunate accident, I did have uh, part of my uh, throat uh, crushed, which set up an infection that uh, caused me to have part of my tongue and jaw removed. So um, basically, I I don't want you to not take me serious because sometimes I kind of sound like this, okay? So um, that's been many years ago. I could have drawn federal disability the the rest of my life, (laughs) and and I continued to work until the age of 70, okay? I'm now 72 years old. Um, So, Kelly, I liked a lot of what you had to say towards the end, and I don't disagree with a lot of that. Um, The reason I called in is based on the synopsis, and it looked like we were talking about the coronavirus. Now, I agree with you on the uh, equal application of the law in most cases. I I agree with you on what you said about our court system for the most part. I agree with you on a lot of those. I guess I should have – what? Individual liberties has one loss due to the pandemic, and I always hear, and, and if you'll uh, give me a few moments, and I apologize for trying to talk over you. I just thought I could share you, save us some time about the First Amendment. That doesn't apply to private companies. Um, it's not censorship when YouTube kicks you off. It's not censorship if Blog Talk Radio kicks you off. It's a private company. The First Amendment says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. doesn't say anything about YouTube or anything like that. That's private company. First Amendment doesn't apply just like it doesn't apply to pornography or child pornography and certain things. There are exceptions. Now, I know that I'm jumping around, but I got you know, I don't have anything to write with, so um, I didn't jot anything down that I wanted to talk about after I heard Kelly, so I'll go to the Second Amendment. Again, Second Amendment doesn't say it has to be easy to buy guns. Second Amendment says you have the right to own and keep, a, keep, keep arms. I've got mine, you've got yours, and that's not changed, and that's not going to change in Congress or no president or anyone's ever going to make a law to remove guns from law-abiding citizens. It's a done deal. We can stop talking about the Second Amendment. Now, I want to add, and then I can let my voice rest. Um, I, I don't think that having to put on a mask to prevent yourself from possibly infecting someone who might not survive the disease that you will. Uh, 
it's infringing on your individual freedoms any more than having to wear pants or a shirt when you go into a store does. And I know you've probably heard that before. Um, I don't think that having to wear a mask individuals interferes with your individual freedoms any more than having to put on a seatbelt in a car. Um, you want to talk about the loss of freedom. You know, my, my, my father was a World War II veteran. And uh, my father took me to Auschwitz. And though it had been many years since, since what happened there, you could still smell it. And you could see the, 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 the skin-colored stains from, from the smoke where they were burned. And, you know, and, and when I hear someone hissing and moaning about having to put on a fucking mask after what uh, I saw it actually... <laughs> It, oh, I thought you said the only. I apologize. Story. I apologize. I thought you said the only rule was no talking over We're not regulated other, so. by the FCC, but I don't like hearing it. Go ahead. <laughs> I respect that. I, uh, so, but um, when you said there was no rules, I thought it was okay. But I'll refrain from using well, that. That's but, true. Now you 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 got a good point. When I, I when I see that, people that complaining <laughs> about a damn mask to walk in to buy groceries or having to get their food through a drive-thru because the dining room was closed. It pisses me off after what I've seen in Auschwitz, okay? And I don't know how much you know about the Holocaust. And no, I'm not Jewish, and I don't like being labeled as a classic liberal or neoliberal or whatever. I vote for the right person for the job, and I think the two-party system sucks, for lack of a better word. Now, I'll get to one more uh, uh, point I want you to take a look at what we have in this country. And you complain about wearing that mask. Or you complain that nurses were required before it was, before it was you know, blocked to get the COVID vaccine. I want you all, you don't answer it, don't answer me, just answer it to yourself. You know, as a, as a son of a retired nurse, my mother was a nurse. My sister's been a nurse for over 30 years. They both had to get uh, hepatitis uh, B vaccines. They both have had to get annual flu shots. I never heard anyone raise a stink about them because they weren't made political, just as the polio vaccine and the smallpox vaccine were not made political. Had Donald Trump not ran his mouth and acted like the idiot that he is over the vaccines, a lot of you wouldn't care about the vaccine. A lot of you wouldn't be against the mask, and I don't know if you are against the vaccine, but I know that uh, my sister had her vaccines as I did. Her husband chose not to, and uh, she was the one with underlying health conditions, and he was the one that nearly died. And you want to complain about wearing a mask? Watch someone be steps away when they park a ventilator outside their hospital room thinking they're going to have to put uh, your loved one on it. Watch them struggle to breathe with COVID pneumonia six days after developing symptoms and then complain about the effing mask. Give me a break. Now, I thought, you know, in the other stuff you talked about, Kelly, like I said, I appreciate that. We don't have to talk about that. But I want to go on record. Not one guaranteed Individual freedom guaranteed by the Constitution of the United States was infringed upon because of COVID. 
not during the height of the pandemic and not now. And if you say it is, I'll ask you for proof. Thank you. Okay, I've got a number of people who would like to uh, to chime in on all that. And I, I'm, I don't do this uh, very often, but I'm going to go first. Uh, <laughs> so it's going to be myself, and then it's going to be Cheryl. Uh, we got a new uh, new caller here, Cheryl, so we'll get her in. And then uh, yourself, Kelly, and then Joseph, so we'll do it in that order. Uh, now, one of, the, I mean, one of the things I want to touch on um, is you, you talk about the, the vaccine. That's the only thing I'm, I'm wanting to – because I want to leave it open for other people to comment. That's the only thing I'm going to, to, to comment on is that I don't blame, you know, President Trump you know, for the, you know, for people's thoughts on the vaccine, I blame the government itself. I mean, I'm not vaccinated. I'm not going to get vaccinated. And my family's not going to get vaccinated. And it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It's not, you know, it's, for one, you know, if you have to be coerced with money or threats of losing your job, you, you want to talk about why I don't trust the vaccine, George? I don't trust the vaccine uh, because if you have to be coerced with money or coerced with possibly losing your employment for not taking a vaccine, that doesn't give me much motivation to trust the motives behind, you know, forcibly or bribing people to take a vaccine. If Trump today would stand right in front of me and say, Robert, I, you know, take this vaccine – and remember, Trump has been pro-vaccine. There's a lot of conservatives out there who are kicked off at Trump for pushing the vaccine. So Trump nah. is the one who said anything idiotic about the – he's been pushing it. He's been supporting the vaccine. Now, if Trump came to me today personally and said, Robert, I think you and your family should take the vaccine, I'd say, in all due respect, respect Mr. President, I'm not going to do it. And so, that, so that's my choice. And it should be Robert, my choice. And it should be every, George, don't interrupt me. I didn't interrupt you. I just have a no, question. no one else did. No, well, I no, wait. I'm, I'm not done. So that that is, you know, so I'm not I'm not going to do it, and I won't do it. I've had COVID. I've I've had COVID. My daughter had COVID. My wife's had COVID. Okay, and I, I you know, I don't feel the before COVID and after. I don't feel the need to to have to do it, and I won't. You know, let them them force into it. You have a quick question. We'll do one quick question, uh, George. What is that? And that's only specifically to what me and you are talking about right now with the vaccine. Go ahead. Yes, my daughter. My daughter wanted to to, to follow follow um, in, in her aunt's and grandmother's footsteps and and become a nurse. But uh, she she uh, had a had a change of heart by the time she uh, got out of high school and started college. So, but um, sure, I, I was going to ask my daughter you had a child. Nurse. wanted to be a registered nurse or a licensed practical nurse and got an amazing job offer with a good hospital or health organization. As you know, the hepatitis B vaccine is a requirement, as, as now as the TB vaccine has been recently developed, are a requirement of all people entering the nursing profession. Actually, all employees of the hospitals have to receive those two vaccines now, and they have to receive flu shots at most hospitals. So if your child, if you had a child, I don't know that you do, wanted to become a nurse, would you have a problem with her taking those vaccines? And if not, it would be her, this one. It, it, would, it, it would be her choice. 
Uh, see, I mean, it's just like I have family members. Vaccinated. What's that? You said your family is not to be vaccinated, but I'm sure well, they got shot. Yeah, well, my, my, my daughter and my wife are. It. My, I have sisters are vaccinated. My, my father, who's 91 years old, is vaccinated. You know, and, and and he's in a nur- and he's in a nursing home. I'm not. I, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying is I'm not. You know, I don't trust the vaccine, and I don't trust the people pushing it. But if someone decides that they feel like it's in their best interest to get the vaccine, I don't hold anything against them for that. If they want to, do it. I don't care. You know, but but well, trying to either coerce me or force me through threatening my employment to get for me. It, you know, it makes me it makes me untrust. I, I don't trust it because if, if if it's something that's truly for my best interest, then why do I have to be coerced through money or threats to take it? So you know, and I don't think there's nurses and doctor uh, nurses. I don't think anyone should be forced to be able to gain any type of employment by having a chemical. And, let, let, and I'll, I'll end it with this, and then I'm going to bring in Cheryl. Is that? I view making people get vaccinations, making them do it, I consider that what I, what I would dub that as medical rape. And why I but say that, George, were vaccinated before they entered public school, correct? Well, but if they're for, I, I, I still view it that way. I don't think they should. I don't think they should have like to be. Well, George, you're interrupting me again. Please, please don't interrupt me. Your kids were vaccinated before they went to public school. My, my you're point, okay. Well, for for what, this show. For Okay, George, for one, and I hope you didn't just drop an F-bomb because I don't have to mute people. So, for one, the COVID-19 vaccine, is, and, and I'm sure you may admit this, is not, has not been generated, not been created like other vaccines. It's not, you know, the COVID vaccine, okay, it has not been made the same way. The COVID-19 vaccine has not been te- – okay, he hung up. But, see, when you can't handle the truth, you know, you hang up. So, you know, that's the, that's the problem. We're going to bring in he, – he's left, so a lot of our que- things we want to answer him, we can still bring up, you know, for the conversation, Cheryl, I'll be bringing in so we can have the conversation. Is that, yeah, he just hung up and because – that, that's the problem we have today. And, and I think, uh, was it you, Kelly, or no, you, Joseph, who mentioned that you can't even have a positive discourse with people who disagree without them doing what he did. He just hung up. It's like we can't have conversations with people that disagree. Now, for a long time, and this last thing, let's say, bring Cheryl in, uh, uh, for a long time, I, I, would, I would like to have a, you know, someone of a liberal viewpoint to actually come on the show who could be civil and, and actually stay on not work get worked up like he did. Um, I've known I've only known a couple. Um, and frankly they were people I worked with. But um, but anyway, so let's go ahead and bring uh, Cheryl on. So let's welcome Cheryl to the show. Thank you very much, uh, Cheryl, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing okay. Um hanging in there. Okay. So what I wanted to say is um I wanted. I did want to talk about the uh, um, vaccine. Yes, it did come about real quick. Kind of got, you know, pushed down. You know, and yeah, at the beginning, it kind of looked like it could be promising and blah blah blah. I got shots one and two, but I did not take a booster shot. Um, I had some reservations about it. Why? 
because if you look at the data showing behind it, um, really people getting the most recent strains um, have been vaccinated as well as those unvaccinated. So that no longer flies. The, the, the problem with um, what's going on now, though, is that they have the, um, uh, you know, the, the therapeutics that got cut. And therapeutics is more the way to go um, than uh, the uh, you must take this van, uh, max, um, mandate, max, max mandate. Um, and uh, I do have an example of each. I have a daughter who's a nurse. I have a son who works in the grocery store. Guess what? They were both kind of considered to be, you know, important. You know, if if my son wasn't there putting things on the shelf, we wouldn't be we wouldn't have eaten through the pandemic and all. Um, so um, he was just as as vital as my daughter, who's the nurse, who took the vaccine because of what she saw. However, my son, who did not take the vaccine, and he was kind of you know he wasn't at the top of the list. You know, he wasn't considered to be, um, you know, uh, if you go back to when during that time frame, they didn't consider him to be frontline worker. They didn't consider him to be a primary. But yet, uh, you know, he was very vital to the country, um, you know. Um, and for those of us like myself, I do have some health concerns. And, yes, that was the original reasons why I took, you know, vaccine, uh, the vaccine you know, one and two, even though I believe I had COVID before COVID became popular. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's to the point that um, I kind of forgot where I was going with that one. Um, but anyway, um, I think we needed to go along the lines of therapeutics, not get those cut. Um, but, you know, as for uh, the people who you know, try to shove it down your throat, you have to take this, you're going to lose your job, and things like that. You know, um, they forget about all the people who did sacrifice so that we could, you know, uh, make the, um, you know, keep the country going as much as we could. Uh, it was not our, 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 uh, our intentions of closing down, uh, you know, let's go down for two weeks to slow the, the, the curve down. Uh, however, you know, that never did happen. However, every store has uh, that I'm aware of, you can go in and do an order, and they will bring it out and put it in your trunk for you. So you do not have to walk into a store without or with or without a mask. If you don't like masks, you don't have to go in. If you like masks, uh, you know, and you don't want to see somebody in there without a mask, you can do that too. You're, it doesn't say that this is only for the vaxxed or the people who don't want to wear masks or the people who do want to wear masks. So those are the options. I mean, I've done it at, I myself have done it at, uh, you know, the grocery store. I've done it at Home Depot. Um, you know, we've all picked up, I'm sure, drive through uh, food uh, at any point in time. So all those things you know, are just kind of just kind of thrown out there. That's just kind of some of the thoughts uh, in my mind at this point. I guess I can turn it back over, but <laughs> that's where I was at. Well, we'll keep you on the line, Cheryl, because uh, we'll do our roundtable discussion. If you'd like to come in 
of other things. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's unfortunate that, you know, he hung up. I mean, I like getting people who don't always agree as long as they're respectful and don't drop F-bombs and, you know, uh, you know, to be respectful and actually hear people out. But, I mean, he obviously got angry because, you know, I want to say again why I think that forced vaccinations, uh, you know, I equate it to medical rape because you are forcing, you know, you know, you, you are invading someone's, you know, what, what's the word I want to use? Because you're violating someone's personal space. You're violating someone's body. You're basically penetrating the needle. You're penetrating someone's body, and you are, you know, and after you penetrate, I mean, I know this is going to sound graphic, but we are cur- currently technically in Bard's Logic After Dark now, so it's okay. No, but, I mean, literally, I mean, think of what a rape is, and then think of what, you know, having a needle penetrating your body, putting chemicals and cells inside your body. I mean, that's what rape is. And so by forcing someone without their consent, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, especially when they have to do it in order to maintain their job. I mean, that's not a choice, you know, not, not, not a real choice. Like, oh, well, you can lose your job. Really? I mean, really? I mean, you, 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 you know, you have to choose between taking care of your families and then taking the risk of getting a vaccine that you don't trust. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, – you know, we can still answer his question, even though he's not here anymore, uh, just for we can, you know, who knows, maybe he actually might, you know, come back and listen to the podcast. So uh, just in case, and again, I mean, I welcome people even, you know, like George to, to call in, but, you know, and just be respectful. But go ahead, uh, Kelly and then Joseph, and, and we'll move things on. we still got plenty of time. we got, got almost an hour of, uh, you know, to get things out. So go ahead, uh, Kelly. Because he actually had yeah, something that um, he told me in the green room about he looked up about the the files documented in the Portland, Oregon, and he didn't see it. And he was going to question more about that, but I think he got uh, distracted. But go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, it's got a file stamp on it. <clears throat> so <clears throat> now I don't know if their system is, is that quick, but um, I have the stamp that was filed in federal court on, mon- uh, on Monday, so – um, but I did uh, want to uh, – bummer that George is gone because we can't have more entertainment, I guess. Uh, it's always good to exchange <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, there's another guy peacefully. It would have been even more – it would have been more entertaining. I mean, not really. He was kind of an idiot. But um, it was one of those just call in, you know, talk about stupid stuff. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, here's, here's another right that I think we've lost. There's two Supreme Court cases. I don't know what they are. I mean, I, I've read through them and stuff, but you combine them, and basically we have the right to know that our vote was counted accurately. And uh, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's very – how do we know in these black boxes our votes are being counted accurately? And we we don't. We just don't. There's a lot of vulnerabilities, blah, blah, blah. But we, we, we've somewhat lost our right to know our vote was counted accurately. All right, masks, masks, masks. Oh, boy. Um, as I mentioned before on the show, I'm a civil engineer. I'm an expert in micron filtration, water treatment, and uh, more recently, uh, dirt for gold mining things. You know, very fine micron-sized gold. Um, smoke, like from a fire or a cigarette, is two microns. And you can 
take a cigarette and put on a mask, it'll smoke a blow right through. Here's a synopsis of masks. Technically, <clears throat> if we're going to wear, if we're going to mandate masks, then we might as well, with that thinking, um, use chain link fences to keep crickets out of our backyard. Well, if one chain link fence doesn't work, we'll just put up two or three or four. It's come on, people. So technically, I know I've been I've been mentioning this for a long time. They technically do not work. The only thing they work for is a lot of phlegm that comes from a sneeze or a cough. But if you're in that position where you're sneezing and coughing because you're sick, you're typically going to be home and in bed. So, you know, and even the uh, what was his name? I believe his last name was Adams, Trump's Surgeon General. He said masks really are a problem because when you're wearing a mask, you're adjusting it constantly. So you're touching more surfaces and bringing in viruses and bacteria to your nose and to your mouth and to your face. So I thought, well, that's interesting. And and so uh, I'm not sure what – you know, some people want a virtue signal and tell everybody – how wonderful they are because they got the shot and they wear the mask. You know what? Have it. Brag all you want. I mean, yes, yeah, sure. It's wonderful that people care about other people, and that's really, really good. Um, but that you know, <laughs> it, it's frustrating that people are like, "Oh, I'm better than you because I got the shot and I wear the mask." Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Fine. What about that 26-year-old in South Dakota that died? He died within five days of the booster shot. And this is on the Children's Health Defense Network, uh, RFK Jr. You know, there's a risk of these things. And uh, we don't, it's just, it's just, okay, you want to do that. You, you know what, you want to do this stuff. Well, what about you people that take a vaccine that cripples you for life, and now we have to take care of you? You know, what if my family member and the kids, or say my, my siblings or their kids, what happens if they take a shot and they become crippled? They weren't thinking about me or other family members. They're now going to have to possibly spend the rest of their life caring for that person. But has anybody really thought that through? I mean, this is something we should really, really weigh all these costs and benefits. And I'm, I'm, I'm not anti-vaccine as long as the vaccines are 100% safe, 100% effective, and they have been uh, tested so by a third party with no financial interest to gain. Hey, give me a shot then. I was raised on a farm. We vaccinated in our livestock. <clears throat> it's frustrating at these debates, debates about masks. And George, he might be a very excellent mask debater, but that's his problem. Um, <laughs> anyway, we are after dark. I I don't know. It's just frustrating. Um, <clears throat> so uh, did, did that call from a uh, – Six, seven, eight, come in by chance, Robert. Order. Can you repeat that? Uh, what was did that you get telling? a call from six, seven, eight? Did you get a call from I six, seven, not. eight? No, I oh. did not. Okay. I have to say, I have not. Nope. All right, that's fine. Um, okay. Well, I know Joseph's been wanting to when we got again we got plenty of time. I know Joseph's wanting to chime in, so go ahead, Joseph. Absolutely. Thank you so much and I'm gonna let it roll from here. First of all, for all the Georges that are out there, 
who the heck are you to tell me that I shouldn't wear a mask because you're afraid that you're going to contract COVID-19 and die of it? I'm actually someone who had COVID, who was diagnosed with a pneumonia due to COVID-19. I had my best friend who's like blood to me who almost died from COVID, and that does not change how we view it. We still hold the beliefs that we should not have to wear masks and adhere to what big government says and follow science that has been fraudulent from the very beginning of this pandemic, nor am I in any position to say because I have the virus and I'm afraid that something may happen to me, screw your damn freedoms like Arnold Schwarzenegger said over a month ago. Now, I would ask the Georges of the world if you want to study a little bit of history, did people start wearing masks after the bubonic plague in Europe? Rhetorical question, no. Did people start wearing masks, Spanish flu, that killed millions, millions and millions and millions of people all over Europe? No. Not at all. This was the first time in history that we allowed a disease or a so-called disease to shut down the world economy. And how, how, how did that work out? You have more people that have been have lost everything. You have the homeless homeless rate that has quadrupled because of that. People who were evicted, people who were foreclosed on once the moratoriums were lift, lifted, all-time high suicidal rates from people being locked down in their own places. Are you kidding me? And you, the Georges of the world, say and get upset. Because you feel that you should infringe your belief and your fear upon me in saying, well, I don't want to hear about people who complain about the mask because I don't want to get sick. Well, for the Georges of the world, I don't want to hear people who need to drink a sippy cup. I don't need to hear whiners who need to come on a show and have the emotional intelligence of a five-year-old and actually insult the host of this show when it wasn't warranted when the host of this show treated him with civility and respect, and then personally attack his family by asking a very hypocritical line of questioning, trying to imply and correlate it with the virus, such as, well, you have to get the polio shot, don't you? And you have to get vaccines when you go to public schools, don't you? Yeah, you do. But have you ever heard of people who have no insurance whatsoever? not even Medicaid or Medicare, you can't get a flu shot. More people have died for influenza than COVID-19. More people have died from the Spanish flu than COVID-19. More people died from the bubonic plague than COVID-19. So for the Georges of the world, if you want to live in a hazmat suit and you want to wear a mask the rest of your life because you feel safe, go do so. But don't, don't, don't you dare lecture me or anyone else and saying that we're the ones that are complaining and crying like little babies because we're upset that we don't want to wear masks. Darn right, because why should we? The science has never been right from the beginning. All the numbers and the studies have proven that a lot of these blue state Democratic governors fudge the numbers. Even Governor Cuomo fudged the numbers. And let me ask you one more question for all the Georges in the world. If this pandemic is what it was made out to be from day one, 
If that is so true, then why has every blue state governor, including the last one, Governor Ige of the great state of Hawaii, that was the last governor that was holding on and saying, no, you still have to wear masks indoors. He just lifted the mandate yesterday. George, it's amazing. Wow, the science has magically changed. COVID is not a big deal anymore. Heck, the doctor, when I went to an ER, when he found out I wasn't vaccinated, you know what he told me? He said, well, you know what we do to people who aren't vaccinated with COVID-19, right? No, we send them home with no, with no medicine, no antibiotics, and, and, and you quarantine, and you rest it off. You remember all the medical experts, including Deborah Burks and Fauci, screaming at the top of their lungs when, when this pandemic first came out in March? What did they say? Oh, oh, no, 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 you have to quarantine. If you get it, it's serious. It's life and death. Come on. Are you that gullible, people? Really, wake up. Are you that gullible to believe that? Are you really that gullible for someone who has lived over 70 years on this earth? Heck, my dad had COVID-19 before he passed of cancer, and he didn't even want to wear a mask. There are a lot of asthmatics out there. It's hard to breathe when you're wearing a mask as an asthmatic. It's really hard. So to lecture people because you're scared, because you've given in to the propaganda mainstream media, and they got you so scared into thinking you got to wear that mask. Well, let me ask you something for all the Georges in the world. What good did the six-feet distancing and the mask mandates do to me when I contracted COVID-19? What good did it do to my best friend who was like blood to me when he almost died from the disease? What good has it done when all the studies are showing that, no, you don't need the mask. You don't need the six-foot distancing. And it's so convenient that all of a sudden the Democrats are singing Kumbaya, my Lord. Oh, now we don't need to wear the mask anymore. It's a miracle. The science has changed. Really, have we become that ignorant in bliss in this country? And I'll end this and I'll defer back to you. You know, there's two types of people in this world. There's those who can hold an educated debate because you are dating based on substance. And there are those who have nothing better to do with their pathetic lives than to call into a podcast with the only intention to stir the pot and disrespect everyone on this show and insult our intelligence. And by the way, Cheryl, kudos to you. She is the perfect example of how a person calls in with differing views, but she calls in with civility, with professionalism, with compassion towards everyone's beliefs here, and she doesn't try to hijack the show and be disrespectful and take it to a level that only a person would do if they needed to serve the pot. So for all the Georges in the world, if you're bored at the age of 75 or 80, oh, I'm not uh, not making fun of old people, my father died at the age of 85 maybe your time better better would be spent maybe in a senior citizen's uh, poker game than on a podcast shame on you george you are the example that is what is dividing this nation you didn't come on this show to have a, a civil discourse because your actions speak louder than your words and if truly the facts were on your side, then you don't need to resort to smear tactics. 
insulting someone's personal king over them. Because when you have the facts on your side, there's no way you could lose the debate. But all when you don't have it on your side and all you can resort to is smear tactics, you know what you do? You do what the left does best. When you can't argue, when you can't hold an intelligent conversation, when you have no substance, you shut down and you cowtail high and you run the other direction. And that's what you did when you hung up because you never had any substance to begin with. So for all the Georges out there, I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this. In the great words of the governor of California, make no mistake, he was a failure of a governor for the Republicans. Screw your damn freedoms if you're going to make them screw mine. And I defer back to the host, our wonderful host, who always ensures that this will be the people's show. Thank you. Well, I appreciate these kind words, uh, certainly, Joseph. And one thing I've been remiss on my duty, I've been informed by our online listeners, is that one thing I used to do, and I've, I've, I've fallen away from it, and now I need to get back to it because I've gotten a, a plethora of online people saying what happened to the show, is that I, forget, I, I forgot to remind the online uh, listeners that they can't hear the last hour unless they call in. And I haven't done that. Gosh, I haven't done that in a long time. I feel awful. Well, that might that might be one of the reasons why uh, uh, we're not getting as many callers after after the when we get into Bard's Logic After Dark because I've been remiss to bring it up that, yeah, the audio is going to close out. You know what it is is uh, chat used to be very – I used to have a – there used to be a chat here. And there used to be a lot of people who would go online, and they would go in the chat, okay? And, uh, and, and so it's, there's not as many people in chat, as, but they're still out there listening, uh, you know, on, on, the, on the online. And so I, I, I guess that's because of that, I, I have a – because remember, you know, if you guys are long-term panelists, you remember what I say, oh, it's five minutes till. Call us at three four seven nine four five seven four two eight. If you want to hear the last part of the show, and I tell you, I I don't remember the last time I've actually said that. So, I'm uh, see. I'm even getting texts by some other listeners. Um, and anyway, so so yeah, I'm gonna have to start remembering to do that. Uh, I guess I, again, I I can't remember the last time uh, that I I did that. That I that I told people so, oh, that's my fault. And boy, I feel terrible for our listeners because they're getting cut off and they don't know why. And I I haven't you know. And these are like new listeners, uh, so I need to I need to get back uh, I need to get back on the program for that. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad they brought that up. It's been a an eye opening uh, show. It's a bit been a great show. And yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we can't get any callers after this time. That is one of the the things about. Blog Talk Radio, which they can improve upon. Um, and gosh, we've, I mean, it's been like this for 10 years, um, which, yeah, I'm you know, get, getting ready to start reaching out to people. Uh, and if we brought up, like, tonight, it'd be, it'd be great to have James Neighbors back on, who was the founder of, you know, Overpasses for America, and they, they did that for about five years. And it'd be great to have him back on uh, on the show as well as, as well as others, you know, for our 10-year anniversary. I can't believe uh, that I've been doing this for a decade now. It just, it just doesn't seem – I remember when I first started it in 2012, uh, I was laid off at the time, 
And, um, you know, so I was able to do the show every night, and my, my daughter was getting mad at me. I guess she was like, I guess nine at the time. And, you know, I wasn't spending as much time with her because we were, you know, really starting to help with the the Gingrich campaign and then, you know, working on just getting, you know, conservatives elected, things of that nature. We did talk about third parties. And, see, that's something we could have – me and George could have had in common tonight, and I I would have liked to have been able to have that part of the conversation is I've never been a fan of the two-party system either. And, I mean, that's something we could have found some common ground, but – as you pointed out, Joseph, I mean, he just could not, and that's why I call this Bard Logic. I mean, I, I try to, you know, I mean, I know I get passionate about things too, and I bring, you know, and I get kind of worked up too sometimes. But, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I called Bard's Logic, because, when, you know, we, we, we can't get to that common ground as, you know, grassroots Americans or the We the People show if we let our emotions take over. Um, now, I know we're all passionate, but you know, we could have found that common ground if, you know, if he would have just, you know, not got so upset because the way I view forced vaccinations. And I'm not saying all vaccinations, you know I mean? I mean, I used to be a, a firm believer. And, and, and also I think he he may have took and uh, got upset because of how I mentioned, well, the COVID vaccinations are different than the vaccinations of for polio. And, and then I did get a, get a message that was sent by Cheryl. She had to go off the call, but she did send a you know, message um, that she did know someone who as a baby had polio shots and has one leg, because of it, had one leg that didn't fully develop and, and, and walked, walked with the limp all their life. Also, she mentioned she knew someone, uh, you know, someone about, about soccer, you know, who got, gets, they got some kind of vaccine they couldn't play anymore or something of that nature. Um, but, you know, vaccine – and then remember, somebody on the show a while ago brought up that, you know, these – you can't – actually, it was um, – oh, you know, I can't remember which one of our other callers. It wasn't anyone on the call now, but, you know, he would point out uh, that, you know, you can't sue vaccination manufacturers, which I find hypocritical of the Democrats that they want to keep people from being able to sue the manufacturers of – uh, vaccines, you know, they want to keep people from doing that, but they certainly are okay with uh, suing gun manufacturers if someone gets shot and killed with a gun, um, as if the gun itself walked up to somebody and pulled its own trigger and, and, and killed somebody, right? Um, so, that, of course, more more liberal hypocrisy. Now, Kelly, uh, yeah, hopefully we can find uh, – have your friend come on next week. Uh, to talk to us more about, you know, what you guys are working on with, with COVID. Uh, what, what's your, what do you think the chances of that are? It would be based on, well, I'd say 70% chance. Um, he's – a lot of the people on the team, the COVID-19 research team, um, they have exhausted their health, not exhausted. They have hurt their health by working exhausted day after day, week after week. Um, and so he's got a lighter week this week. And uh, next week, I, I don't know, 70% chance. But he facts, figures, numbers. He put on a, a conference back in October, COVIDCon21. And there's a website that I would like to direct people to. It's, well, it's called COVIDCon21. 
And uh, there's guest speakers. You can listen to all sorts of things. Uh, COVIDCon, the number 21.com. And you can also go into the grand jury uh, information to the petition. We've, oh, well, gosh, we had 125,000 people now that signed the petition for a federal grand jury. And there's frequently asked questions people can go through. You can actually see the filing right there online. And we had a caller call in. Where is it? Well, it's right there. CodeCon21, number21.com. And you can you can uh, go to the uh, front page. Let me do it just as an exercise. But this is something he put together um, and the team. Solutions and beyond, you got to put right there. Uh, the home page, a little bit down, there's petition free download. Boom. Click that. And you can scroll down. If there it is, there's the federal court filing. And you go below that. There's uh, grand jury frequently asked questions, which I wrote. And so, yeah, uh, hopefully he'll, I mean, it's going to be, uh, we've heard it from other sources, other people, but this guy is pretty much at the top. He's taking the lead. He's a really good leader, real smart, um, connecting. And uh, I, I really admire the man, Doctor um, Doctor Ely. So I'm, I'm I'm starting to blab on a little bit, but you know I want to go back to the guy George. We always get these interesting callers, you know, and they can say whatever, and there's sometimes they're just joking around, whatever. <clears throat> we got to catch that that they're joking around. Some people are serious, some people are not. Some people are just trying to distract us, play games with our head, whatever. You know, Joseph was obviously a little upset with George, but, you know, if somebody wants to be a bubble boy, have at it. If you want to live your life in fear and make a bubble for yourself, go right ahead. That's your life. That's your freedoms. Please don't uh, please don't push it on me. You know, I've had to tell a family member, you know, we're going to disagree, so can we just – and so – you know, and I understand their motives. Their motives, like, oh, there's a lot of things, and oh, this and that, and what else could happen? And we're we're afraid. And I want to do my part. I want to do my part. And these people, they genuinely care about others. They they really do. But when they start pushing for me to get in a bubble, that's crossing the line. You have your freedom to get in a bubble. Great, you get in your bubble. You want to live your life in fear? Get in the bubble. You think the bubble will help you? Well, then get in the bubble. But you know what really is, pissed a lot of me off the most, Kelly? You know what pissed me off how, the most? How he upset? How, the, yeah, what, what, he upset Robert. I don't blame him. The, yes, is the fact that he would have no decorum to attack somebody's family and try to bring his family into the conversation. That's what the left is doing because they have no substance. They resort to smear tactics. Now, for someone who claims he's in his 70s and his, I believe his father fought in World War II, you would think you'd know better. But to make it personal to someone you don't know and interject their family members to try to validate your argument, which is crazy, that's what really set me off. I'm like, you know, shame on you. You should know better. You came on this show claiming, you know, you – Basically lived a long life, so you know more, and you viewed atrocities. Well, George, in my eyes today, your attack on Robert, that was an atrocity. Shame on you and shame for bringing innocent family members into a conversation that should have never been brought in. Just so you could feel better or you could convince yourself psychologically that your narrative is true. You know what? 
I don't even think the guy's crazy. I call him straight up delusional. Sorry, Kelly, I just have to say that that point. It wasn't even the bubble that, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Is when you try to smear someone's innocent family just so you could psychologically feel content that your narrative or your claim is the right one it is disgusting and appalling, and that's why we're so divided as a country. We're so divided. We're vitriolic more than ever in history, I would argue, because – you know, if you dare to disagree on one single thing, it's like the Hiroshima bomb. People start imploding on, on each other, and they start smearing people, bringing in their wives, their, their daughters, their brothers. It's like, what have we turned into? Are, what, are we a bunch of Neanderthals? Are we cavemen? I mean, we went from a sophisticated country and having dialogue to animals who are just ripping each other apart on just the smallest disagreement. And I'm sorry, Kelly, um, I, I have to say that, and I thank you for giving me the floor and letting me um, say that, but, you know, I, I'll defer back to you, Kelly. Thank you. I wanted to uh... – yeah, I, I, I'm sure Robert appreciates you defending him, and it was frustrating, and I can understand if – the guy was trying yeah, to talk even, over Robert. Well, yeah, appreciate, yeah, I appreciate that, Josephine. Uh, yeah, I just kind of, I kind of went over my head. Yeah, I guess he did. He, you know, I guess, but yeah, he did bring my family into it. I didn't when he talked about the whole nursing thing. I didn't. Yeah, that's that's a point I didn't take at first. But yeah, good point. So he was trying to interrupt again, Robert, and then he hung up. Well, okay, you know, Bubba Boy's gone. Okay, fine. Um. There's something interesting about this. If I can, unless you have other new callers or anybody else hit one, I want to throw something out that's kind of found kind of interesting that relates to all this. Yeah, put your mask on, get your shot, that kind of stuff. Uh, is that okay? It may take five minutes. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. You have the floor, Kelly. No problem. Okay. So we go. To the Bible, the scriptures, the Apostle Paul had a lot of logical writings, amazing writings, but he also got freedom. He was considered by many theologians as the Apostle of Freedom. He wrote, Why should my freedoms be judged by another man's conscience? Why should I be denounced for something I thank God for? Now, he also uh, wrote, This is Galatians 5 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not allow yourself to be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Now, some Christians might think, oh, he's a, he's a slavery of sin. No, that was not what Paul was writing about. He was writing about slavery of other men. The book of Galatians is an interesting thing where the apostle James, who was the head of the Jerusalem church, he was approached by two men, and then James sent recommendation letters over to Peter, whatever where Peter was. Well, he was in Galatia, obviously. So Peter's in Galatia, and, and these men show up with recommendation letters from the Apostle James. Okay, I'll bring you in. So these two men convinced Peter, the apostle, to have a new rule, which was not in the scriptures. The new rule was, okay, you Jewish Christians, Jews that had become Christians, you cannot fellowship with Greeks that are Christians 
that are uncircumcised. You can't eat with them. You can't fellowship with them until these Greek uh, Christians become circumcised. And I think it's Galatians 2. Paul confronted him. Like, Peter, what are you thinking? You're restricting the freedom of Greece, Greek Christians to interact with Jewish Christians. But on this one mandate, thou shalt be circumcised. And Paul said, look, circumcision doesn't mean anything anymore because Christ has, has uh, paid for all the offenses against the law. I mean, the, the law of the, the scriptures. And so Paul addressed the church about these people that infiltrated. And Paul had to do this in other churches. Men get in, oh, this is my idea, follow me. <clears throat> is that in the scriptures? <clears throat> these new rules you're making up? Are, are these rules anywhere in the scriptures that you're making up? No, they're not. <clears throat> it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not allow yourself to be burdened by a yoke of slavery, slavery of men. And Paul goes into these these jokers who were uh, – you got to be circumcised to, to fellowship with us. Paul said these men, all they want to do is boast in other people's flesh. And I've seen some Christians do this where, well, this rule and this rule. Dude, you're trying to boast in other people's flesh. You're out of line. The apostle Paul wrote something brilliant because he had freedom. He also knew how men – would try to change things and make rules so that men would become worshipped, so their ego would be worshipped. These men are trying to boast in other people's flesh. Then he wrote, may I never boast except for in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he would only boast about the good things Christ has done because he understood the temptation of men to become arrogant, make up rules so they can be followed and worshipped. So when people, you know, they want to make a suggestion on a mask or a vaccine, I was like, okay, you know, you can do that. I'm just going to say no. Can we go on to a new topic now? You're not going to boast in my flesh. You're not going to go around and say, oh, I got 50 people who go get vaccinated. You're not going to do that with me. Sorry. You're not going to use me as a boasting story. I know you might have good intentions. I know you really care about people, but you're not going to boast. Because you convinced me to wear a mask and or get vaccinated. Sorry. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not allow yourselves to be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So that's kind of it for my little five-minute thing on freedom. So, Kelly, I'm re- I got this article here, and you, you keep a, a, a finger on the pulse of this. Um, this is an article that was out today. Uh, it says about a Colorado clerk is indicted for election tampering and misconduct. That's the, the title of the article. Uh, in Colorado, are you familiar with what's going on with Tina Peters in Colorado? No, I'm not. Uh, Tina Peters. I think I've heard the name. There's a lot of people now coming out of the woodwork doing election integrity work. But what happened? Well, basically, she get well. She's getting. Uh, she got indicted by a grand jury. Since we're on that, but you know, it's on NPR. I thought I've seen here on Twitter. But one of the things that's that's telling um, is that you know they're trying to say that she. Uh, you know, I guess uh, did you know did some in, in illegal investigate investigating 
you're trying to say that she did. You'd have to read the article. It's pretty, you know, there's a lot for me to explain in the short period of time we have left. But basically one thing that's given me pause is that on this, if you look, look it up, but in this article uh, it states that, and I just explained this on Twitter, it says this Peters, who's the one accused, recently announced she is running for Secretary of State against incumbent Democrat Gina Griswold, who has been the driving force in the investigation against her. So what it sounds like to me is that you have this Secretary of State who is having her uh, now who's having her election opponents uh, investigated. So now Tina Peters, she's a um, a Colorado County clerk, and her and her deputy, uh, you know, were, uh, I guess, charged with a, a number of things. But it, what it sounds like to me, if you read the article, and I don't got time to read all the article because it's, it's a long, you know, kind of a long article, again, in the, um, in the, to, in the time we have. But it sounds like to me that what you have, uh, it's in uh, Colorado, it just says Colorado County, let's see. Uh, Mesa County, Mesa, M-E-S-A Mesa, County. yeah, okay, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This woman in Mesa County, she was standing up against the elected fraud. She was concerned. She wanted to have a forensic. She wanted to do a number of things to protect the um, the integrity of the machines in Mesa County. And she did several videos and explained what's going on, and they were using political prosecution against one of her coworkers in her office. And so now it looks like they went after her. They went off after her to try to stop her from exposing what's going on. Andrew needs to be doing is turn around and and look at the machines. Yeah, she's facing ten counts, including seven felony charges and three misdemeanors. They're charging her with attempting to influence a public servant, identity theft, criminal impersonation, and conspiracy to commit criminal impersonation. And the misdemeanors include first-degree official misconduct, violation of duty, and failure to comply with the requirements of the Secretary of State. So you have a Secretary of State who is having a political – sounds like it's having a political witch hunt against her, against her uh, opponent. Because the Republican Party, well, yeah, what, what, uh, yeah, because the Republican Party there, the Republican Party leader in Colorado asked her to suspend her campaign. So that's probably exactly what this, uh, you know, and that, well, yeah, uh, the, well, the Attorney yeah. General, yeah, the Attorney General of, uh, I'm not sorry, the Secretary of State of Colorado, who she's running against, right? That's uh, so you've got the person. You pushing the investigation is is the person she's running against. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So here's the background with Mesa County. Um, she was concerned, had expressed some concerns, and then the Secretary of State convinced the legislature or somehow got the money to replace the Dominion machines completely, as in remove all the evidence, violate federal law, fifty two USC two oh seven oh one where you have to keep all records for 22 months after the election. So Tina in Mesa County, she's like, hey, 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 I'm calling Paul. I don't like this. And now the state's going to replace my machines? Why? Oh, that's right. Their dominion is trying to pull them to get rid of the evidence. 
and replace them with new machines that don't have any any data on them. So then she ran for she probably had uh, Tina probably had enormous support. Run for Secretary of State. Bam! You use these political prosecutions, even if she's found completely innocent, she's not going to win the election. So what happens? This is a bigger picture. If I can take you about thirty-six thousand feet, with down. All right, so so we're looking down and we're seeing what's going on here. As I said before, the most powerful person in a state during election season is the Secretary of State. I'm saying this out of vulnerabilities and out of potential. I'm not saying it necessarily happened in Colorado, but it's there. When you're the Secretary of State and you can find a way to somehow uh, skew an election – you can get yourself reelected. You can get your ally as an attorney general. You can get a governor elected, and if you're really good, you can get the legislature mostly in your favor. Now, once you're in power and you've got a, a system, this is a possibility here. Once you're in power and you got your buddies in power, how do you get them out? How, how do you get the bad guys out at the very top that you put in because you're cheating? How? How do you do it? How do you – now, if it's a California. Let's look at California. Democrats win, 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 win. we got the, the most deceptive uh, election system. Trump even said himself it's an absolute mess. That's why he wouldn't campaign here. And so when a legislature is getting elected because of electronic tricks, how do you get the legislature out so that you can have – an investigation just like the Arizona Senate did, just like the Wisconsin Senate's doing, just like the Georgia Attorney General is doing. How do you get these people out when they're in this position and they're not inclined to because they keep getting elected because of these I'm, – I'm painting a scenario. I'm not saying specifically it happened, but I'm painting a scenario to, to explain how serious this is. So in Colorado, you have an AG that's your buddy. It's your pal of your political bias. You've got somebody that could change the entire election system, have an honest election, take her out through political prosecution, even if she's not guilty. In my studies of the grand jury, when somebody is in office or they're running for office, if they get a grand jury indictment, even if they are completely acquitted, their political career is over. Right. And that's Tom, what the, that's, leader, that's what the Democrats are doing. All right, so the House Majority Leader, Tom DeLay, out of Texas, Ronnie Earl in, in Travis County, Texas, he went to a grand jury three times. Finally, they got an indictment against House Majority Leader Tom DeLay. Tom DeLay had to resign. Then he went to trial. Then it went to appeal all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court dismissed all charges. But what happened was the indictment destroyed his political career. That This is when… The grand juries don't know their own power. They don't know their independence. They're not a part of the court. They are completely independent body. So I in my book, The Hidden Fourth Branch. But if they're not thinking carefully, if they're not – if they don't have critical thinking skills and have the right questions to ask, a seasoned prosecutor can actually get an indictment for political purposes. And then this person, you know, like Portina, she's going to have to spend, what, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000 in attorney's fees? Oh, gee, not guilty. Oh, sorry about that. You were found not guilty. Really? This is, this is the one downside of 
the grand jury is when people are not applying critical thinking skills. They don't know their power. They're not asking the right questions, and they're not protecting people. It's uh, New York Supreme Court uh, Justice Sol Watcher said in the 80s to a media reporter, he said, any, any seasoned prosecutor can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. Right. And so it's like, oh, people, please, please don't just, oh, I hate jury duty. Oh, I don't want to be here. Okay, oh, if I, if I indict this person, if I vote to indict this person, can I go home? Really? Do you not care about another person's life? Here, this is your duty to diligently inquire, find all the truth, do nothing out of love or malice for a favor for somebody, whether you like or don't like them. And this is one of the important points that judges would would give in their charge. Do nothing out of malice, or hatred, or love, or wealth, but judge fairly. And so it's we have to somewhat, at times, look at the American people to realize, uh, yeah, you're going to get lazy. They're hurting the country. So I, I'm not surprised. What do you know? Political prosecution. Oh, by the way, during Obama's reign, how many Democrat congressmen were indicted? United States congressmen, zero. During Trump reign, how many congressmen were indicted? They were both Republicans. Now, that's justice. Both of them, both the Collins and Duncan, uh, the congressmen, they were indicted. They pled guilty. Okay, good. You know, if the Democrats would do true justice, we would see Democrats, congressmen getting indicted. It doesn't happen under Obama. We, we, hmm. I don't like where this country is heading. I hope, I hope that we can get together, learn, get empowered, get encouragement, and protect the liberties we have, sustain them. I know that sounds boring. Well, sustain our liberties. Uh, Yeah, you don't sustain them, they're gone. So it takes work, it takes energy, it takes effort. Um, I understand the family, people may not have time, but what do you spend? Why don't you spend 10 minutes a day studying the Constitution? Okay, 10 minutes, three times a week, study the Constitution. That's it. 10 minutes, three times a day. I'm sorry. 10 minutes, three times a week studying the Constitution. Just 10 minutes. Guess what? Over a year, you might start looking like a constitutional scholar compared to your, your, your fellow friends. And the founders wrote the Constitution simply so that Everyday people could read it and vote their elected officials out of office. Ten minutes a day, three times a week, the amount of knowledge people would have over years would be absolutely stunning, and we would have a different country. But I I can't – I can only ask. I can only hope. I can only pray. I can't force people to study the Constitution. So what do we do? We keep trying. <laughs> we tell our friends what we learned. I don't know. We, we we get together. We keep doing things that will sustain our freedom. And, of course, I've been an admirer of yours, Robert, because you've been doing this, getting people together on the phone, to, you know, Bard's logic. So that's, that's, you're, 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 and now you're running 
You want to tell us about? Tell us, Robert. Can you tell us about your uh, precinct captain or precinct chair? Your position you're running for? Well, I'm running for a precinct executive, but I am running against a very well-known person in the precinct. Uh, so I don't know exactly. Yeah. So what she she is the wife of a former county commissioner who negotiated the stadium uh, of the local football of the local professional football team. That is who I'm running against for. And to me, a literal unknown when it comes to local politics. Running against someone who, with that type of name recognition. So I certainly have an uphill battle if I stay in the battle at all. I, mean, I don't know if I'll take my time. I may, I may decide to just drop out. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. But um, I'm, I'm trying to talk to some people for some advice because you know I'm a, a newbie, and so we'll we'll see. But that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> So why is a precinct strategy so important to you? Well, I mean, for me, at least with what I've told the, you know, the it involves, and we we only got a little bit before I have to start taking closing comments. Uh, but for me, is you know, one of the things I'm my understanding is you, you know, you make sure that we get actual, you know, what we what people are calling now citizen candidates, people who aren't career politicians, people who are, you know, of and by the people instead of of and by the politician, you know. Um, and so that's what, you know, I'm hoping that if I get elected to, you know, be able to make that happen. That's awesome. I want to explain how the precinct strategy works because I've spent a lot of time with Jim Condit discussing it. All right. So the county Republican Party or county Democrat Party has an annual or semi-annual, biannual, whatever. They have a convention, a county convention. Who goes? Well, the precinct chairs. Okay. Well, what are the, the precinct chairs or precinct captains, what do they do there? They vote on the officers of the county Republican Party. They vote on delegates to the state convention. Or actually, you start with county, then you go district convention, then you go from district to the state convention of the Republicans. And so essentially, the people who show up as precinct chairs or precinct captains, they get to decide who is your party leadership in your county, your district, and your state. In other words, coming involved in the precinct strategy can turn the direction of the of a, of a political party. So the, the rhinos, Republican rhinos, and the good old boys stay in there year after year. No, this I've seen this happen actually. Um, Michigan, they had a huge victory. Virginia, and the reason why they may have a Virginia governor now is because of the precinct strategy. So Dan Schultz is his name. I've talked to him personally. He's a good guy. He's an attorney, but he's He's revamping up these efforts, and obviously people are joining the precinct strategy. And in my county here in California, we don't have precinct strategies. Whoever shows up to the Republican Party, that's how they vote what the party's going to do. So the good old boys who go to the central committee of the Republicans, they get to decide 
what the Republican policy are, the leaders' endorsements, by the way, endorsements. So if you have control, let's say you have uh, three counties where you have a congressman, okay, and a smaller population. So like you have three counties and one congressman who is an absolute neocon, rhino. If the precinct strategy takes over two of those counties, when the endorsement time comes out, they may not be endorsing the rhino candidate anymore. It's really going to hurt when it comes to election time. So it's a grassroots, amazing. It doesn't take too much time, entry level, if you will. And so I really admire that Robert is doing this. And uh, I guess the best of luck to you. Where do I donate? <laughs> well, I haven't collected any money, so I'm not, I don't I don't want to mess with that stuff. <laughs> I don't want to have to do any type of like reporting and this and that things of that nature. Uh, I am gonna like make you know, get some you know cards and things of that nature, but I'm gonna pay that solely out of my own pocket. Um, so I'm, I'm not gonna do any type of donations. I don't know what the reporting lo- rules are or anything of that nature. Um, this is something that, you know, so uh, I'll pay for everything out of pocket so I don't have to mess with any of that. But anyway, we've got a couple minutes left, so each, I want to give each one of you literally 30 seconds, really, to, uh, to do closing comments, and then i got to close things out for the night. But it was uh, a very interesting show to save, and that's for certain. So go ahead, uh, uh, Joseph, uh, if you close your comments, and then uh, Kelly, and then I'll have to close things out myself. Go ahead. I want to end with just two quotes. You know there's a sickness. There's a sickness in people that stops in seeing the truth. And the second quote is, reputation is what people think of you. Character is what you are. And I will end on those with those two quotes. I look forward to being back next week. Uh, Take care, folks. Always a pleasure to be on The People Show. God bless. And uh, I'll be back on next week. Good night. All right, go ahead, uh, Kelly, and then I'll close things up myself. Uh, Well said, Joseph. I want to quote the great uh, Wayne Gretzky. He's a hockey player. I think he had the highest number of goals of any hockey player. He said, you miss 100% chance. You you miss 100% of the shots you never take. So Robert's running for precinct, uh, captain, precinct chair. That's awesome. We're trying a grand jury thing to hold government accountable. Um, we just have to try. And there are a lot of encouraging, supporting people that we can get with. So with that, I'll end. Good night. Good show. Well, thank you very much. Hopefully we can have your friend come in uh, next week, Kelly. We'll be looking forward to that. Uh, let me know as soon as you can. So if not, we can, you know, schedule something else. Uh, but, do, yeah, again, looking forward to uh, also uh, having a gentleman on from uh, Ryder from the Blaze. Uh, I'm actually, we're supposed to have dinner maybe just coming up Monday. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk more about it uh, then. I'll get, give you some updates. Uh, there's a couple of candidates I was reaching out to that I'm no longer uh, trying to get on the show. Just I feel like it's a worthless effort at this time. Uh, but we'll have other folks on, as you know. But I will have to end tonight as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. 
And we definitely appreciate all the callers, even George. So hopefully if he's listening to the podcast, he can call in and be more, uh, more respectful to us. And, you know, of course, he'd be welcome to be on the People Show again. But thank you very much, folks. Again, take care, and we'll see you next time. And, of course, good night. Mm-hmm.